We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The motto for 2022 is out with the old, in with the bold. And if you're ready to revamp your career, your relationships, or your money this year, check out Modern Life. It's a new podcast and newsletter from Fidelity Investments with fresh perspectives from people defining success on their own terms and tips to help you do the same. Search Modern Life wherever you find your podcast to follow and subscribe. Keep in mind that investing involves risk. The value of your investment will fluctuate over time and you may gain or lose money. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC, 900 Salem Street, Smithfield, Rhode Island, 02917. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Garage Beers! This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it is episode 75, and we have not one, but two very special guests joining us in the garage this week. First, coming at you live from Tokyo, from NBC4 in Columbus, Matt Barnes is going to join us. Then, with the NBA draft happening, we have from ESPN Cleveland, Danny Cunningham is going to come on. He's going to preview the draft, look at the Cavs offseason, get ready. It's a big episode. Come on up the driveway, break open your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. Welcome, everybody, to episode 75 of the Garage Beers podcast, coming to you live on the Belly Up Sports podcast network. Check out Belly Up Sports on all the podcast hosts and check them out on social media. Check out some of the other podcasts, but make sure we are your favorite Belly Up Sports podcast. You can go find us online at The Garage Beers on Twitter, Instagram. Find us on Facebook. Find us on TikTok. Go check out our YouTube channel. You can see our interviews, video of our interviews on our YouTube channel and so much more. I'm your host, Michael Keefe. Find me at Garage Beers Mike. And with me, as always, my my two, the greatest co-hosts ever, my buddies over on the east side of Cleveland at Garage Beers Chad. It's Chad Meyer. What's up, Chad? Hi. Hi. Boys, I have a, a major announcement to kick off the show. An absolute major announcement. You got to announce I mean, it like, like Ron Burgundy about to do no, a cannonball. I, I, know I have an nobody, urgent and horrifying I, message for you. I, I know nobody's going to be able to see this but you two, but it's still worth it. Hold on. Oh, no. Oh. It's a hat. Oh, my God, it's a hat. <gasps> Is it just like a black hat? Boys, boys, look at that. Look at that. So the wife found... 
an XL slash double XL hat on here. I'll even get in better light. I'll even yeah, get in better light. Yeah, let me light. see. Jet, Jet, what's your, you like, look. if you were to buy a fitted thing, hat, what? what how good you look. Perfect, dude. You look great. It's great. Yeah. If, yeah. if you were to buy a fitted hat, what would the size be? Oh, God. Like, what's the highest? Like, there's like one size fits all, then I'm other. Like, I'm like, <laughs> he's like nine. <laughs> Here's yeah. the disclaimer tag on that. Like, I have a fairly decent, so like, Joe, what's your head size? What's your hat? I think I'm nine and three quarters. No, you're not head? nine and three quarters, you asshole. That it would be the world's. <laughs> oh, no, it's hat. seven. Seven and uh, seven, seven and a half. Holy shit, nine Dude. and three quarters. Is that like a Harry Potter pull I just grabbed out of my subconscious <laughs> mind right there? To give people yeah. to give people to give people perspective on this, uh of how big my just how big my head is. Uh high school, my coach had to specially order my helmet. And oh, there's I, no doubt. Oh uh, no, but listen to this. So freshman year, we're sitting there stretching. My helmet finally comes in in the fucking mail. And we're sitting there stretching. He's screwing my face mask onto my helmet as I'm stretching. And he goes, this helmet donated to us by Ripley's, believe it or not. (laughs) Jeez. The high school anomaly with that watermelon. Oh, dude. And it was, yeah, that's how big my head is. So the fact that I found a hat that fits me is like, I don't know. It's like, it's like finding the Holy Grail. It's like finding the missing link. It's amazing, dude, guys. Dude, the hat looks. I'm gonna give you compliments. The hat looked good. Now, what we got to do is get that thing with the Garage Beers logo. Which, by the way, if you haven't gotten your Garage Beers hat or shirt yet, get over to GarageBeerShop.com. Pick it up. I got the stuff sitting in my house right now. I got T-shirts. I got hats. All you got to do is order it. Put your credit card info in. Boop a boop. And I will mail it to you personally. And usually I just send like a little personalized note with it. So if you want a note from me, get over there and, and get a shirt and get a hat. Uh, we've got them for you. Uh, Chad, we need to get that Garage Beers approved hat for you. And then uh, you looked great. I'm, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's, a gr- it's been a great day. <laughs> I, I feel like, Joe, I feel like, so you said you're seven and a half. I'm seven and three eighths. I feel like. When you go to the store and you see like hat sizes, eight is the highest that you see usually. What? Yeah. Nine and three quarters. That might actually be what Chad is. <laughs> it might well, be. Yeah. It really I might mean, be. Eight is usually the max. Yeah. And and yeah, Chad, they're like you you might be a nine. Like you might uh-huh. be like so off the charts. I very well could be. I love very it. well could be. It's just a uh, giant noggin. Love it. Chad, congratulations. Uh, so you. that's Chad. He's got a hat that fits and he's looking beautiful over there on Thank the east you. side of Cleveland down Thank in you. Nashville, Tennessee, our other co-host at garage beers, Joe, it's Joey Whalen. What up, Joe? I, I don't really have any cool breaking news. I'm just really happy to be here today. Yeah, that's fine. That's oh, fine. You know what? Oh, you're I'm, I'm actually contemplating. I've, I've actually spent this whole intro contemplating if I want to keep the garage beer I have or just <laughs> trade it out for something else. It's kind of dog shit. Um, Oh, I was going to say, this is one of those weeks, though. Like you said, you're really happy to be here. This was yeah. one of those weeks. Some of these weeks go by really fast. This was not one of them. No, like, guys, no. our last episode, episode 74, was the amazing Mark Latestu out in the woods camping with his family. Was that I, feel last like, week? I feel like we talked to him a month ago. Yeah. Right. So much has happened. In Where the now. fuck have you guys been? <laughs> I don't know. I've been glamping just like Mark was. <laughs> yes. 
I, I wish I was glamping like Mark was. That's fine, well, Joe. Man. I'm with you, man. I'm just glad. I'm just happy to be back. Yeah, we we made it another week, and uh, hell yeah! <laughs> you know, what? you guys are you guys are just feeding off my bhe, my big head energy. Yeah, uh, my big head uh, energy. Sometimes yeah. you gotta survive or celebrate just surviving a singular week. We yeah. did a good job of that this week, guys. I agree. We survived. We made it. And we have got an excellent episode. We're a quarter of a century. It's episode 75, oh and we've got a great one for Three you. Three quarters of a century. Three quarters of a century. What did I say? Cool. Quarter of Wait. a century. I'm an asshole. Three quarters yeah. of a century. <laughs> but is, that, is that based off my head size scale? <laughs> yeah, because of math. I don't know what I'm talking about. We are three quarters of a century into this, and, uh, and we've got a great one for you. So stay tuned. Uh, first of all, we are going to have live uh, coming at you from Tokyo from the Olympics. Matt Barnes. Matt is an anchor for NBC uh, Channel 4 down in Columbus. And Matt's going to just kind of fill us in on what's going on over in Tokyo. He's going to talk to us a little bit about Ohio athletes and so much more. And then after that, we're going to send it straight over to another interview we had with ESPN Cleveland's own Danny Cunningham. He's like their Swiss Army knife over there. He does a little bit of everything. But Danny's going to talk to us about all things NBA, the Cavaliers, the draft, and so much more. So we've got a lot of fun stuff to get into. But before we do that, we've got to do our favorite segment of the week, and that is our Garage Beers of the Week. And so we're going to send it around. We're going to talk about our Garage Beers. And, uh, Chad, why don't you lead us off? Chad, what's well, boy, your Garage Beer this week? Uh, well, boys, i got a repeater because I couldn't make it to the store today. Had a really busy day at work. Uh, but I'm going with uh, Collision Ben Sprite Lightning. Again, uh, it's an imperial red ale. Uh, yep. It is pretty. It is pretty tasty. Uh, it's uh, eight point five percent or eight point two percent alcohol, which is always a good thing. Uh, anytime you can only drink like two or three beers and start feeling good, that's a good thing. So, Collision Bend Sprite Lightning Imperial Red Ale. It's my garage beer. beer of the week. Boop. <laughs> <laughs> that's my boop. garage beer of the that's week. My it'll give you the hiccups. <laughs> uh, all right. So we got another one from Collision Ben. Love that. Joe, what's your Garage Beer of the Week? Before I get to my Garage Beer of the Week that I just called dog shit, I'm going to go with anyways. Uh, I do have a poll question, not related to this beer at all. Let's go. I had a beer Monday uh, that I got from a store, and it was, it had like a wrapping on it. It's from a local brewery here in Nashville, and it had like a wrapping on it with like the label and the beer and stuff. And it was like a fancy like IPA that they limited release, but underneath the label was their original pale ale like can. So is that like what? sketchy or not that they're just slapping on a label over like a pale ale can? Yeah, yeah, that's sketchy. That's I, weird. I felt that's like really victimized after that. Like, <laughs> I, I'm going to call somebody and report that. That's totally not one one. Yeah, you need to write uh, a strongly it, worded email. Yeah, <laughs> somebody. It's, I I would suggest getting the Better Business Bureau involved. <laughs> Would be the first time I've done it this month. Yeah, that's <laughs> Dinkle issues. It's a whole thing. Um, <laughs> insert bad cut here. Hi, do I sound better now? Hopefully. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, anyways, there's a mic issue, and now we're better. Not a Michael issue, but a microphone issue. Well. Um, <laughs> anyway, so that other brewery that I was talking about that can... Um, uh, it's not the one I had tonight, and it's unfortunate because the the can issue. I hate that brewery to begin with. Wow, this brewery I actually really like, so I feel bad about calling this beer dog shit, but it kind of is. Uh, oh man! All right, they, they can't, uh, it's just they, night for Nashville hey, beers. They, they can't all be winners. All right, they they're not all winners. winners. I I will say they do have probably my third 
favorite beer in Nashville. This is just like a limited release one they have. It's Black Abbey Brewing Company, and the yeah. beer is Utility Vacation. It's a Kolsch style ale with blueberries. And I think it's the blueberries that, like, every time I'm at the store and I'm like grocery shopping and I see something with blueberries in, I'm like, oh, that sounds great. Cause, like, yes, I probably have blueberries in my cart. And I had the beer and it's not, the, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's like, it's blueberry colored and, but it doesn't taste like blueberries, but it tastes kind of like a sour. And, um, so my cup of tea. So all that to say, it's fine. I like the brewery, not the beer. Uh, that's fair. It happens. I'm with you though. I like, I'm a blue, I, that blueberry thing. I don't know why it hooks me too. And oh, yeah. blueberry hooks me. And we're lucky because Fatheads has an ultimate great oh, blueberry beer. Their blueberry is great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And it's better when you get it at Fatheads and they float the blueberries in your beer. What's That's that? Fantastic. What's that drink that we used to get with? It's like, isn't it a bumbleberry and a Guinness? Oh, it's, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a black and tan, except for you make it with, instead of making it with bass ale you make it with bumbleberry it is Oof. my favorite so good and that is signed off on by a, a, an irishman that's a buddy of mine so he's good with it i'm good with it let's go all right uh, all right so we have a repeater we've got a eh, beer uh but i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, redeem nashville tonight i'm gonna redeem nashville this is a beer that joey got me and it's been a while and it's been sitting in my fridge for a while uh, but I'm going to pop it open and drink it tonight. And uh, fellas, it's great. It's, it's great. It's bearded Iris, mm. which we we've come to expect nothing less than greatness. And this certainly meets the expectation. And the beer is called double scatterbrain. It is a double dry hopped IPA. Uh, and here's the, here's the uh, description. <clears throat> this is your brain on double scatterbrain, double dry hopped with Citra Double the piney passion fruit goodness that you know and love. Plus, now double the dry hop citra magic you crave for a pint that's sure to make your brains feel like Waffle House hash browns. Can we pause this episode for like 10 minutes so I can go grab one of those? They just opened up a... This is great news, too. They opened up a brand new tap room probably five minutes down the road from me that I haven't been to because it opened up like two weeks ago. Uh, but Bearded Iris, and we said this on the show before, Bearded Iris and Southern Grist are the two best breweries in Nashville. Yes, agreed. Um, but ooh, that's Bearded awesome. Iris and what? And Southern, Southern Grist. Southern Grist. Oh, okay. So good. I, you know, uh, I I've never Whole, been. I, oh, go ahead. I was in Whole Foods the other day and I saw Bearded Iris and I almost got it, but it was a sour beer. Ah. And I was like, and I was like, no, bearded Iris. The funny thing is like all, all the times we come down to Nashville to see Joe and Nashville's got a lot of cool breweries that don't have the greatest beer, but they're still cool breweries. Yeah. Like, it's a good vibe. Right. Like there's a lot, I won't call them out by name, but there's a lot of fun places to hang out and the beer's decent. And it just is what it is. Just decent beers and fun, fun place to it's hang getting out. Be- like, uh, as but a like, whole, getting better. But like but. in the hole, it's getting, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, Bearded Iris and Southern Grist, those go up there with like any other brewery. Those are delicious beers mm-hmm. all the time. So I got a great one. Chad's got a repeater and Joe's just, you know, sipping on some beers, having a good time, just enjoying us. And he's happy to be back. So who cares? I'm just trying to finish this so I can crack open a monster or 12 dogs. That's right. So those are our garage beers of the week. 
Tell us what your garage beers are of the week. Uh, get onto our social media at the garage beers, share pictures, tell us what you're drinking and uh, let us know if you have any suggestions, anything you've tried recently that you want us to try, we'll go out and find it. Uh, so guys, to you on the podcast, I say cheers to you. The listener, I say cheers. And now it is time to get into episode 75 of the Garage Beers podcast. And we are going to kick it off in Tokyo, Japan, home of the Olympics, with a very special guest from NBC4 News down in Columbus, Matt Barnes. Uh, and we're going to send it to that interview right now. All right. Now we are very excited. This is so cool for us. Uh, we, we've had... We've had a lot of crazy cool guests on from all over the place, but this one is so cool because right now we are in the midst of the 2021, I guess the 2020 still, Summer Olympics in Tokyo. And joining us live from Tokyo, covering the Olympics for NBC4 in Columbus. He is the co-anchor of NBC4 today down there in Columbus. It's Matt Barnes. You can find him online at Matt underscore NBC4. Matt Barnes, welcome to the Garage Beers podcast. What's up, everybody? Happy to join you uh, all the way across the world. Yeah, all the way across the world. This is this is so cool. And and we were talking about this a little bit before we came on. But like, I've, I go back to college days with Matt. Matt's an OU guy. You probably know that. If you if you could see <laughs> Matt right now, his face used to be on a billboard in Cleveland, right across from the Wolstein Center, because he was he was a big oh. deal at OU guys. He was a very big deal down there. Oh. Well, I mean, I, you can't. I can't let this go past. What? What? What was that? They, they did a commercial campaign called "The Promise," and I was one of twelve. That was the promise of Ohio University. So uh, my oh. big mug was on a billboard that uh, that sadly people had to drive by in many cities across Ohio. <laughs> oh, perfect. Okay. <laughs> I used to drive by that because, again, I knew Matt and college. I used to drive by that like this dude's on a billboard. What am I doing with my life? <laughs> The only way I'm winding up on a billboard is if something really bad happens. So we don't need that. Uh, 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 the other thing I wanted to say to you, Matt Barnes, just before we get into the Olympics and Tokyo and all that stuff, happy birthday, buddy. Thanks. Yeah, that was uh, three days ago. Nothing like waking up to your birthday in Tokyo. Got to go to the aquatic center, watch some swimming. Saw America win gold. It was a pretty cool day. Yeah, that was that was cool to see. Uh, hopefully, hopefully they threw you a little bit of a party over there. Celebrate the birthday. No, not at all. They worked me like a dog. That's okay. <laughs> hey, happy birthday. Okay, so you got swimming, basketball. Uh, you're going to head over to polo, water polo after that. And don't you dare sleep. No, there's no sleep needed. Yeah, right. Uh, all right, so Matt, over there in Tokyo, and there's a lot of headlines going on with the Olympics right now, so we want to talk a little bit about uh, what life is like over there. Obviously it's a very different kind of Olympic games going on. We want to talk about some of the Ohio stuff, but we'd be remiss to not talk about what's going on the big headline in the Olympics and kind of get your perspective on it. And also kind of what it's been like, but the big story is Simone Biles, the, yeah. uh, by all accounts, the goat, right? The, 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 one of the greatest of all time gymnasts has withdrawn completely from the Olympics, uh, both in the team event and in the individual events. She is, uh, is out of the Olympics and she cited, uh, uh, her mental health for that. So what's, what's the conversation been like over there in Tokyo regarding that situation? Well, it's been one of both shock when we first heard it, but then also a bit of understanding because let's be honest, people who are Olympians, they understand the pressure that comes with being an Olympian. Remember, you only get one chance out of every four, in this case, five years to win a gold medal. So it's not like the NFL or NBA where you get a chance every season, you get traded, the teams that are better and things like that. 
this is all they have. And so when you're Simone Biles and you're the face of these Olympics, you're the face of Team USA, and all the weight of the world is on your shoulders to win gold. And she got here. Her support system isn't here because obviously we have no fans, no friends, no family. Uh, she just has her teammates and her coaches. I think it all just finally caught up to her. And obviously at the worst time possible, but I give her a lot of credit. It takes a lot of bravery and courage to understand, you know what, not in the right headspace. Uh, gymnastics is not the kind of sport where I want to be flying high in the air and not really feeling confident in, in landing it. And so I think she took a, it took a lot of strength to do what she did. And while it's sad for us, because selfishly we want to see her win gold, it just wasn't to be. The first thing that came to my head, and you don't want to like compare it to other things, right? Because it is a little different, but like, if, if Simone Biles would have taken a tumble and broken her leg and then been like, I can't compete anymore. There's no more conversation to that. Nobody says anything to that. It's just, oh, she broke her leg. There's still this thing. And we talk about it all the time. And it made me think, look at some of these big, famous athletes in history, not just necessarily Olympians, but athletes who retired early. Like Barry Sanders comes to mind, right? People of Jim Brown here in Cleveland comes to mind. Uh, at a time where maybe it wasn't as acceptable to say, hey, listen, this is a mental health thing. I can't do this. or, or Not just right now, but I can't do this anymore. I'm withdrawing from this. In the days, those days, it wasn't maybe as people would talk. They still do, as you can see. But let's not act like this is the first time an athlete has done this, right? Like it happens. And mental health is a real thing. Yeah. I had a, a gymnastics coach who I talked with yesterday. He was a former coach of Gabby Douglas, who was a two-time Olympian. He said, I, I think people forget that sometimes the brain is like a muscle. you got to train it. And if it's not ready to go, you can't go out there. And, I mean, it's, it's yeah. frankly, it's just dangerous. And so uh, Simone did not look good on the prelims. She was all over the place. And then the first ball she took, she nearly set, that, set it down uh, on her butt. And so I think right then she was like, it's not happening. I mean, we're not going to win any medal if I perform like this. And I frankly could get injured and could ruin the rest of my Olympics, ruin the rest of my career uh, and things like that. So, yeah, I, I completely understand why she did it. I'm glad her teammates were so uh, ready uh, to go and still win a silver medal. And they were obviously very complimentary of her and supportive of her. But, yeah, it, it sent shockwaves around the Olympics and hopefully brought more attention to, for all of us to remember that these are humans. They're not robots. They're uh, they're humans first and they, they have feelings, they have emotions, and sometimes they're just not ready to go. Well, and we've seen, I think one of the cooler things that's come out of this, we've seen other Olympians, even gym, gymnasts, Dominique Mochiano from here in Ohio, uh, have come out and they said they started to look back at their own career differently because of what Simone Biles did, right? Everybody has brought up the, the carry. I thought this was the best perspective. Everybody brings up the carry Strug when she stuck it on one leg. And at the time, it was like, oh, she's such a hero. And can you believe what she did? And, and, and obviously, it probably felt like that at the time. But now people are looking back going, oh, my God, sh she shouldn't have done that. <laughs> like, but you just feel forced. So it's, yeah. it's just all this stuff creates more awareness. And Simone Biles will be looked at positively for that forever. Yeah. I mean, Carrie Strug retired in gymnastics at the age of 18. Right. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's not act like you know, that may not have played a factor in it, that she was pushing through pain that she did not need to push through. So, yeah, I think Simone Biles, her legacy in the sport is cemented. There's no yeah. worry about anyone thinking she's not the greatest of all time. Uh, there is still a chance, though, she could be part of the individual event finals. She hasn't made that decision yet, but uh, we'll see. That doesn't start to August 1st, and uh, who knows. But um, regardless, she, she's done everything she could do in the sport of gymnastics, and 
I tip my cap to her. I mean, for God's sakes, there's like four moves named after her. <laughs> yeah, like, like, so, <laughs> I mean, I think she, I think she's cemented her legacy a little bit, regardless of whether she competes or not. Completely agree. All right. So Matt, you've been paying close attention, you know, your, your work down there for NBC four in Columbus, you've been paying close attention to some Ohio athletes. So I've got a couple that I wanted to bring up. And then if you've got any, you want to bring up as well. The big one that a lot of us are watching right now from here in Cleveland is, uh, is boxer, uh, Delonte Tiger Johnson. Uh, and he's in the quarterfinals of the welterweight boxing tournament. Uh, so how's Tiger looking, and uh, and what do you think his chances are? All right, so I saw his first round match, and it was dicey. I mean, Tiger got hit with the left that, uh, oh, no. that staggered him. He had to get the standing eight count in the second round. He had a great first round, but I'm thinking, uh-oh, this, this isn't looking good. Oh. He came back in the third round and won by split decision, and then in the second round match, uh, he looked really good. So now he's in the quarterfinals, as you said. One more win, he's guaranteed a medal, because the way they do it in boxing is once you make the semis, even if you lose there, you just share the bronze. They don't do a bronze medal bout. Uh, so one more win. He's going to face a guy from Cuba who he lost to back in juniors. So he's got a little revenge factor there. Uh, so hopefully he gets that done. And speaking of boxing, I mean, Ohio is showing out right yes. now because we have Cincinnati yeah. boxer Duke Reagan. He's a pro who they changed the rules. Now pros can't fight in the Olympics. Uh, he's undefeated as a pro. He's undefeated here. He's in the quarters. And then Toledo's O'Shea Jones. She's in the quarterfinals. Uh, so one more win for all three of them. We're bringing home some medals back to the Buckeye State. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Who knew? And now, Matt, are, now, Matt, are you like, okay, I, I guess quick question before we move yeah. on. What, what, what is he like? Are you just bouncing around to different events? Or are you kind of just trying to follow all the Ohio athletes? What, what are you, what is your, what is your day to day? Oh, Chad, if you only knew how locked down <laughs> we were. Uh, so this is how it works. <laughs> yeah. We are, we are, we're, I mean, we can go to these venues, but we have to get approved by the International Olympic Committee or the Japanese organizers. I don't know. They have to approve us to okay. go. And the reason they're being so restrictive in where we can go is just for contact tracing. So uh, as much as I'd love to go to every boxing match or every, I'm stuck watching a lot of them on this device that shows me everything live at every venue, um, which is great. Okay. Uh, I but I would rather yeah. be there, but we have to get approved. And we've only, I've only been approved to two things out of the seven or six days of the Olympics so far. So we're, I keep throwing them in. Trust me. Request after request. So have you? So have you even left your hotel room? <laughs> <laughs> I have. I, uh, okay. I, I got. A, I got approved for the aquatic center, so I got to see swimming one day. I got approved for fencing okay. today. We'll see if I get there or not. Um, but uh, if I go to fencing, that's to watch a couple former Buckeyes who are fencing in the women's team foil competition. Uh, so yeah, it, it's just a wild, wild Olympics, man. Otherwise, you're just kind of sitting at the hotel, hanging out with Savannah and Hoda and, and, and the crew over there, right? They got, good, they got free food. I mean, I'm not too mad. Yeah, nice. Uh, so more, more Ohio guys uh, in swimming. Uh, Hunter Armstrong, he missed the, the 100. Uh, his was crazy, right? He missed the 100-meter backstroke final by a second. Yeah. Like, like just missed it. And then uh, Zach Apple. He missed a couple other events, but he did win gold in that awesome 100 uh, freestyle medley uh, or relay. I mean, uh, so were you there for that? So that is the day I was there, which is yes. pretty cool. I, uh, I was begging them. I was hoping and begging that that was the day I could be at swimming because I knew both the Ohio athletes were going to be swimming. A uh, good chance for me to talk to them. And it was my birthday, so I felt like it was the right thing to do uh, for the Olympics <laughs> to let me go. And so, yeah, so I saw Hunter after he missed the final by a hundredth of a second. I mean, a hundredth of a second. Uh, yeah, a hundredth. Amazing. Of a 
Um, so I, he was really sad about that, obviously. But at the same time, he knew, hey, in the Olympics, whatever mistake you make, it could be a hundredth of a second, and that could be the difference. So we, it's a learning experience. He's only 20 years old. Uh, and then Zach, dude, the anchor leg of that relay, I went upstairs to watch it, and he was flying. Yes. I mean, 46.6 seconds. Uh, he was just moving and yeah, they won by two seconds and yeah, he brought back a gold medal to old Trenton, Ohio. So yeah, I'll tell you, Ohio athletes are doing fine. We still have so many more to go. It's amazing. Yeah. Track and field is littered with Ohio athletes uh, and that hasn't even gotten kicked off yet. Uh, but any, any other Ohio athletes you want to highlight? Uh, so the others, I mean, if you want a loose connection, Lee Kiefer, the fencer who won gold was born in Cleveland yeah. So we, we, we've been kind of claiming her gold medal. Uh, so city. Gold, it counts. Gold medal. Yeah, exactly. city. It counts. Let's go. <laughs> so we'll take her. Uh, we were hoping rugby was going to win a medal, but they finished in sixth place. And Carlisle is from Maslin. Uh, he's the fastest man in rugby, but uh, they, they didn't come out with the medal. Uh, but like I said, the rest of the Ohioans you're going to see down the road. You're going to see Alec Yoder, former Buckeye gymnast. He's going to be in the Palmer horse final. He's got a great chance to medal. Uh, you talked about the track and field. Everyone from Adelaide Aquila, who was Magnificat up in Cleveland yeah. area. She's in the shot put. Reggie Jaggers is from Cleveland in the discus. Uh, we have more former Buckeyes like Christina Clemens, current Buckeye Navy of Battle. I mean, it's uh, on and on uh, and on. Uh, so week two of the Olympics, be prepared for uh, a lot more of my tweets telling you where Ohio Olympians are uh, because, uh, we're, like I said, they're littered all over the rest of the, the rest of the games. So you got to be there. You got to be there at the swimming. The U.S. wins that gold medal. Uh, surreal without the fans. Yeah, I mean, now granted, there's some noise in there because all the teams are inside, right. and you know they're making plenty of noise. But it's still cavernous. You can tell it's a ten thousand seat arena, and there's about two thousand or less in there, and it just doesn't feel the same without that that energy, that juice in there. It's just the teams cheering. So um, yeah, it's definitely different. It stinks because. I honestly think the city of Tokyo would be an amazing place to hold these Olympics, but they didn't do their vaccine rollout real well. And now we are where we are uh, because this city is fantastic. They're kind. It's, I mean, the, the public transportation system is amazing, even though I can't get on it right now. Um, it, it's, just, it, 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 I mean, all the, ven- all the venues are close. It's just, it's so cool. I mean, uh, I wish you could see the whole view of my hotel room. It is amazing. So, uh, I think yeah, it's, you, it's unfortunate. I think if you get over to Matt's social media, he gives you a look out of his hotel room window. So you can, look. Yeah. Uh, when you were at the swimming, were you like in a media area or were you just kind of like, did you pull, like, did you look like the coach of the Australian swimmer when she won the gold and you were like humping a guardrail? Like, did you go crazy? Did not, I, I was going internally crazy. I've learned in my years of doing this how to react in a press box area. Like, you know, you sit on your hands, you just right. go, let's go, like that, stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, right. right. It, it, it was all internal, like, all right, we got the gold. And then immediately after they won the gold, I had to run downstairs and get ready for the interview. So it was, uh, I've done this before. Like when the Blue Jackets won their first ever playoff game at home, I'm upstairs and, oh, I was in the press box, and when I went to overtime, I said, I can't do this anymore. I need to be on the bottom level where the fans are. They scored the overtime win. I'm, like, celebrating with a friend, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, crap, I got a job to do. I run downstairs and get my camera. So, been there, done that, no big deal. <laughs> let's go. Oh, yeah, I mean, let's go. No, we got to go. We have to go. Uh, yeah, no, we really have to go. All right, Matt, you're going to try to get some work in today. You're going to try to get out of there, so we'll let you out of here. But before we do, 
Real yeah. quick. Oh, actually, Chad's got something. So I wonder if it's the same question. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to finish up. OK, you fin- and then, and then well, you was it hockey related, Chad? Oh, okay. no, mine's no, hockey no, related. No. Matt, just just real quick, since you're a Columbus guy how, and you're a Blue Jackets guy, how are you feeling after after this last weekend? You know, it's it's weird because, you know, my mind's on the Olympics and then I'm seeing different alerts come by and man. What a, what a week. So the Seth Jones news expected, wasn't mad about it, thought they got a great haul for it. Kudos to Yarmo Kekalainen for that. Uh, the Cam Atkinson news floored me. Thought Lord. Cam was the guy they were going to keep, going to lead the team, probably be the captain. He's the guy that had been Columbus through and through, kind of laid roots there, started a business. Surprised me. Love Jake Borchek. I was covering that draft when he was drafted. I was an intern at NBC4, and I interviewed him and loved the guy. Uh, so happy he's back. And then even today's news, getting Sean Corrali, the Dublin native, bringing him in. That's a great free agent pickup. Uh, I still don't know half the guys on this team. Don't care. It's going to be a rough year. <laughs> but you know what? As John Davidson said the last time he came, brick by brick. And uh, we'll get there again. I'm not, I'm not too worried right. about this season, next season, though. Uh, let's go. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Before I let you out of here, Matt. And we appreciate your time. Uh, I just wanted to make a suggestion. Uh-oh. So on all of these requests moving forward uh, for you to get approval, I, maybe go the sympathy card and tell them it's your birthday. Like on every single one of these requests. <laughs> I mean, they let you in for swimming. So why not? Uh, you know, you're like, you're like OK, uh, men's golf. How about uh, it's my birthday? I just, I, I just feel like that might not work every day. You know, I just you know, I think they'll, they'll catch on. Right. It was my birthday. Well, I mean, I mean, you never know. You never know. They probably get hundreds of them a day. They're like, oh, it's his birthday. Let him in. Yeah, right. I'll, uh, I'll see what I can do about that chat. I promise. Matt. Deal. I like it. Try to get no rest over there. Try to get to some fun events. Uh, is there anything? My last question. Is there anything you, you're dying to see? Is there like one event where you're like, I just. I, I got to get to the Olympic Stadium. Want to see some track and field, obviously. And then I wouldn't mind seeing a handball match because I don't know what the heck is happening. But man, is it exciting to watch. I used, to ref, I used to ref intramural handball at Bowling Green, uh, and they were no, not, they were not flinging. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. We had intramural handball at Bowling Green, and, and I used to ref it. What? Yeah, you had no idea. You had you had no idea how to. Sure, ref I did. That. I don't yeah, even sure try I did. It was like great. It. Uh, they there was no real flinging though at Bowling Green. And <laughs> slow lobs, slow lobs. Okay, because what I'm seeing in the Olympics looks dangerous. Yeah, no, totally different. Uh, All right. All right, Matt Barnes, if you want to follow along with his journey over in Tokyo, follow his. I got his Twitter here at uh, Matt underscore NBC4. He posts a lot of awesome stuff. And Matt, hopefully we get to do this again in a week, uh, another weekly check in with you. Uh, but we really, really thank you for your time joining us here on the Garage Beers podcast. Absolutely, gents. And uh, have a great podcast. Always enjoy it. And our special thanks once again goes out. To Matt Barnes, go find him online on Twitter at Matt underscore NBC4. If you're in the Columbus area, you can catch him like every day as the co-anchor of uh, of today, NBC4 Today in Columbus. Uh, Matt Barnes, an old friend of mine, really cool to have him on. Boys, how fun was that to just like check in live at Tokyo? Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's something that you're not going to get every day. That's for sure. Uh, just to get what the atmosphere is like over there. I mean, what we see is what we only see on TV. And he, he's able to give us an inside perspective. And it's really cool. I don't know about you guys. Like, Joe, I don't know about you. I'm glued to the Olympics. Like, I love what, like, I, I have downtime, love, boom, Olympics. I love the Olympics. I do not have a medium to watch it right now. <laughs> Where's your Hulu at? 
I don't have Hulu anymore. Oh, yeah. Call your dad. What's the matter with you? Call your dad. Get the login. Dad? Dad, I need your login. <laughs> uh, it's been great. And like, uh, you know, like he said, the swimming is always. Uh, my wife and I were sitting here the other night watching swimming. And like, it's stunning. These races that finish like there's eight people swimming. And like they finish within like eight tenths of a second. Like what? Like, yeah, just, right. But but then you catch the other sports, right? We've talked about water polo. We talked about that with Matt Biondi. Vicious sport. It's crazy. Handball, yeah. sand <laughs> volleyball, shooting, like <laughs> archery. Like it's just all fun to watch. It's just all fun right. to watch. There's this, guy on, TikTok, there's this guy on TikTok that, that uh, has this video series where he's like, uh, it's essentially just like Olympic sports that look like absolutely no fun at all. And the first one he had was the triathlon. Oh yeah. No. And the video was just of the finish line of the triathlon and people go across the line and just and collapse immediately collapse. Cause they just <laughs> well, a I, triathlon. I saw another one, Joe. I saw another one comparing the men's triathlon to the women's. Did you see this one? No. So the men's triathlon looks like a, a slaughterhouse at the end, like just collapsing, <laughs> puking on the ground Everybody's just laying there. They showed like a shot from the air from like, like, uh, I don't know, like a drone or something. And it's carnage. And it's just people laying everywhere. Yeah, just carnage. (laughs) And then they get to the women's triathlon finish and they're all like just standing around (laughs) hugging each other, like slapping high fives. Nobody's (laughs) collapsing. Nobody's doing anything dramatic. They all just like, all right, so we doing like, we doing mimosas or like what's going on? <laughs> I, saw, I saw another one where it was like the guy was like watching a swimming final and he's like, or, or something. It was a long, it was some sort of long race, a swimming race. And the Americans were, you know, finishing like in the, in the back half, they didn't medal. And he was like, Oh, oh, here's the Americans are going, they're going. And, uh, okay. They finished. <laughs> Not, <laughs> and, and, and he goes, and he goes like, he goes like, not hard. And he was laying in bed. He was like, not that hard. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then he like yawns. He's like, uh, losers. <laughs> yeah. I saw that guy. Uh, no, it's been fun. It's been, and, and, and you know what? Um, actually I think Matt Biondi and Natalie Coughlin both said this to us. It's been a lot in the swimming, but really everywhere else, the world is catching up a bit. Like Katie Ledecky losing races. She hasn't lost in like 12 years and all of a sudden she's not winning these races. The world is catching up in a lot of ways. There's a lot of events that the U.S. has just dominated that they are not dominating anymore. And, and obviously we've talked about some own bios. We talked about that with Matt Barnes, but he, even back to gymnastics or swimming or whatever, the U.S. is not dominating these Olympics. They're still going to probably wind up with the highest medal count, but man, it's, it's a lot closer than it has been. And that makes it exciting. I mean, I know we love the USA dominance and all that, but it's exciting to see these other countries stepping up. The, I, the moment of the, I don't know if you guys have one. You can share it here before we get into our next interview. Far and away, the moment of the Olympics for me was, I don't even remember what race it was. It was a swimming meet. It was a, it was a swimming meet. It was the final race. It was a gold medal race. And some dude in the eighth lane from Tunisia won. Like, not expected to even medal in the slightest, not expected yeah. to compete. This dude from Tunisia wins the race and wins a gold medal, like first swimming yeah. gold medal for Tunisia since like 1930. 
It was awesome. And I love yeah. that about the Olympics. <laughs> you, 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 yeah. see, you see, like, like the guys that do like, I forget the actual name, like the hand pistol competition. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> <laughs> Why, how did that make the cut? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm watching Canada and Brazil women's rugby right now. And uh, settle down, Chad. Canada is tackling like way too nice. I don't know if that's like typical of Canadians. Sorry. They're just tackling. They're, they're, they're bringing them down very gently. Very gently. Anyway, sorry. So real quick, I'm going to give a shout out to that guy. Uh, uh, let's see. He's a Tunisian teenager. And his name is Ahmed Haf- Hafnawi. I, I don't know. Oh, boy. If I'm brutalizing that, I apologize. But Ahmed Hafnawi, 400-meter uh, freestyle in the Tokyo Games, wins a gold medal and i just thought it was one of the coolest things ever he he got into the final by 14 hundredths of a second and he won the gold so nice shout nice. out ahmed to tunisia good for you uh okay so olympics going on we're enjoying all of it and there's still another like week and a half left to enjoy so we're real excited about that but let's get a little bit more timely we've got all things NBA to talk about. The NBA draft is happening. It is NBA draft weekend. It starts, if you're listening to this on Thursday, it starts tonight. And we have got a really great guest. Uh, we had a great interview from ESPN Cleveland, right here in Cleveland. Uh, he is uh, a resident NBA expert, and he kind of does everything for them. We're going to send it over to our interview that we did with Danny Cunningham. We said at the beginning of the episode here, episode 75, we have not one, but two very special guests on the show here tonight. The next one, we are very excited. We're going to talk some NBA. It's NBA draft season. It is rumor season. It is who the hell knows what the Cavaliers are going to do season. And joining us to talk about that right now, he is like a Mr. Do Everything. He's like a Swiss Army knife for ESPN Cleveland. He's a reporter, a producer, a writer, a host. And, and a slew of other things. Uh, welcome into the Garage Beers podcast, Danny Cunningham. Danny, thanks for joining us. Mike, Chad, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, it's a very kind intro. You're, you're too kind to me. Thank you. Well, listen, man, uh, as we talked about a little bit before we came on, you're about one of the busiest guys out there right now. Uh, and so we appreciate you taking your time to join us to talk a little basketball. Uh, and if you want to follow Danny, uh, get over to Twitter at Real D Cunningham. He will have, I'm sure, a million. If I don't even know, how do you even keep up on tweeting things, Danny? You know, I've kind of stopped tweeting quite <laughs> as much just because I've got so much going on. I can't tweet about everything. And I'm also mad at Twitter because my verification request has taken four weeks and I haven't heard anything. <laughs> so I, I'm almost uh, boycotting the app until they at least make a decision. They've oh been sitting God. on the fence right. for this for, for four weeks. Hey, Twitter. It's a bunch of crap. Hey, Twitter, Twitter I, know. I know you're listening. I know you're listening, Twitter. You get him verified now, you son of a bitch. Yeah, come on, Jack. Do something, man. <laughs> Jack. Come on, at Jack. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> at least give me yeah. a no at it's this t- point. Like, I just don't want to. I, I think I keep thinking I'm going to wake up one day. I'm going to have the notification that I'm verified. And until either it happens or I'm told just flat out no, I'm going to keep hoping for it. I'm tired of hoping for it. I either want it or don't. Right. Danny, right. I, 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 got, I got the secret recipe for you, man. You just lose a bunch of followers and, and have like not a ton of followers. And then you don't have to worry about getting verified. It's real easy on our end. 
Well, not even that. Like <laughs> I follow someone that's got 300 followers and they're verified. I've got like 7,500 and Twitter can't even give me the time of day. <laughs> oh God. Bastards. Uh, so Danny, we're one night away. Well, now we're talking one night away from the NBA draft. By the time this episode comes out, it's going to be the day of the NBA draft. And man, it, it, I don't know about you, but it feels like to me, and I don't know, maybe it feels like this every year, but I just like this year feels more so to me, like things are just ready to like pop off this year. Like it just feels like it feels like fireworks are ready to happen right here around draft season, maybe even more so than usual. Do you get that feeling too? Are you expecting an exciting draft night? I am. I'm very curious what it's going to look like when, you know, the draft finally rolls around when Adam Silver finally walks up to the podium and what the draft order looks like, because we've heard so much about Detroit's listening to offers. And my theory there is they're just trying to communicate with Houston and Cleveland, because this has been, when I started looking at at this draft right after last year's draft, it was a five player draft. You had Kate Cunningham, you had Jalen Green, you had Evan Mobley, you had Jalen Suggs, and you had Jonathan Kamika. Well, the G League season goes by. Jonathan Kaminga is not as impressive as people expected him to be. He kind of gets shoved down into another tier. So now it's a four-player draft. And then throughout this draft process, Jalen Suggs, I don't know whether he's just not had great PR, whether teams have found out things about him. I personally don't think that his ceiling is quite as high as the three other guys. So now it's kind of been pushed into a three-player draft. So my thought here is if Detroit's going to trade the pick, they're not going to drop below the third pick. They're either going to trade with Houston or they're going to trade with Cleveland because one of the top three players in this draft are the guys that can change your franchise in Mobley and Green and Cunningham. So basically, I think they're just deciding whether or not gaining additional assets or draft capital or whatever it may be to move down one spot and get Jalen Green or two spots and get Evan Mobley is worth it for them. That's what I'm most interested in. And the other thing that I'm really fascinated to see is whether or not Ben Simmons is still on the Philadelphia 76ers (laughs) 24 hours from now as we're, you know, recording this at nine o'clock on Wednesday night. If he's still a member of the Philadelphia 76ers when the draft rolls around, because I, I do think that his days there are numbered and just whether or not he makes it through draft night is going to really determine how long this summer is. And I think it could be the first big move that sort of shapes the transactional period in the NBA. Um, He's going to get traded at some point, but tomorrow night certainly could be the night it happens. Now, piggybacking off of that, Danny. (laughs) So, uh, of course, Ben Simmons, you know, we talked about on the trading block. And it was reported today that the 76ers and there's of course they should be looking for this type of package. But they said they're looking for like a James Harden-esque type package for him. Yeah, uh, it was reported. Is that a fair package for this guy? Well, you know, Chad, I think when you bring that up, you have to remember what Houston got for James Harden. It's not very good. Right. Right. They got a bunch of mediocre draft picks and yeah. Kelly Olenek. Right. Like, that's what they got for James Harden. <laughs> if I'm Daryl Morey, yeah. I'm shooting for something much better than a James Harden package. Right. Listen, sure. James Harden is a far superior player to Ben Simmons, and Ben Simmons is very good, and we just forget about that because he had a bad playoffs. But Houston kind of struck out in that deal. They wanted to get draft picks. They got a bunch of mediocre ones. They could have had, you know, Karis LeVert and Victor Oladipo and Jared Allen as part of it. 
but instead they just got a, a bunch of mediocre, mediocre draft picks in Kelly Olenek. I think the Sixers can do much better than that for Ben Simmons. He's under contract for quite a few years. He's a young player. He's already established himself <laughs> as a multi-time all-star, as an all-NBA guy. Yeah, he, his jump shot is not there. And I personally think that if you're buying on Ben Simmons right now, you're buying his stock at its lowest, and it's only going to go up. A change of scenery is going to do wonders for him. In the same breath, it's hard to have your head coach in Doc Rivers throw your star player under the bus, your franchise player in Joel Embiid throw your other star player under the bus, yeah. and then say, hey, we want a King's Ransom for this guy. That's a tough look for, for that franchise. But I also think they can do better than Houston did for James Harden. Dude, guys – Guys, hey, there were there were there listen. were winners of the James Harden trade. The Cavaliers were one of them. They were a winner of that trade. The Brooklyn. Houston was the team that did not win that trade. Yeah, Brooklyn. Brooklyn gave up two good players in Jared Allen and Karis Levert. Yeah, but they got James Harden. They got a guy that yeah. won an MVP in in the last how many scoring titles? Just one right. of the top seven players in basketball. And yeah, he got hurt this year and it didn't work out. But you do that trade a hundred times out of a hundred. You don't yes. think twice about it. The Cavs gave up Dante Exum and what's <laughs> probably going to be the twenty seventh pick in a draft right. for Jared Allen. You do that a hundred times out of a hundred. The Houston Rockets got Kelly Olynyk and mediocre draft picks. Oh. Why did you do that? Okay. All right. Listen, guys, full disclosure. I might have forgotten what they got. He's <laughs> <laughs> out here reading no, headlines. No, no, Chad, reading headlines Chad, I'm not, I'm not trying to chastise yeah. you. I saw the same report. No, I know. I know. I'm just kidding. And my thinking is question. why would you want that? Why would anyone want a James Harden no. package? I would rather have the package that Oklahoma city got for James Harden way back in the day. Yeah, right. Right. I, I, so I I had James Harden in my notes for or um, James, I didn't have James Harden in my notes for any time. I had Ben Simmons in my notes for later. But since we're on the topic, Danny, like I feel like you are we're, we're talking your way into what I've thought about Ben Simmons the whole way. And I think this NBA finals that we just watched showed exactly the point. You brought up a lot of the stuff, the the coach mismanaging Ben Simmons and then talking shit about him. Joel Embiid talking shit about him. When you talk to people within basketball, one of the first things they bring up with Ben Simmons is how the organization has just kind of mishandled him. And then we watch when you talk to these people, cause he's so polarizing, right? He's either people really want him or they are like, God, no. And the thing everybody always says is he can't shoot, which he can't, he's not a good shooter, but we just watched the team win the finals led by a guy who cannot shoot. Their best player was a guy that cannot shoot. And to be honest with you, Ben Simmons is right up there in that like elite level of like slasher, get to the rim, make plays, pass the ball type guys as Giannis. Like, I can't imagine why people are so low on this guy other than they just can't wrap their minds around the fact that you don't necessarily have to be a great shooter to play in the NBA, right? Like, You're right, Mike. Um, obviously, being a great shooter is a very helpful skill that Ben sure. Simmons doesn't have. But what I think we're guilty of just as a society is we speak about everything that people are bad at, right? Ben Simmons, not a great shooter. And the conversation kind of stops there because he he's got this giant wart that it, it can be hard to work around at times. And we saw that for Philadelphia in the playoffs. But when you talk about Ben Simmons, you also have to say, okay, one of the three or four best defensive players in the league, one of the 10 to 15 best passers in the league. 
a tremendous athlete, a guy that is still young. He's already an all NBA player. He's already a multi-time all-star. He's an all defensive player. He's really good at a lot of things already. And just because he's not a good shooter right now, doesn't mean he can't become a passable shooter at some point. I think a lot of it is mental for him. I think that a change of scenery is going to do him wonders. Is he ever yes. going to turn into Ray Allen? Absolutely not. <laughs> but can he be serviceable on the offensive end of the floor and someone that opposing defenses have to at least think about respecting? He can. And if that's the case, how much better does he look on that end of the floor? Because now he can really do everything and he's going to get to the basket that much more. So as long as he gets it kind of cleared up in his head, and I think that, again, being in the right situation is going to change that, I see no reason why Ben Simmons can't maybe not get to whatever, get to the level everyone thought he was going to get to, but get to a level below that. I, I think the ship has probably sailed on him ever being an MVP candidate, but there's no reason why he can't be a second-team All-NBA guy for five more years, right? Seven, I, ten like, more years. For that me, can happen. For me, like, put take him, I've been screaming it for years, take him out of the point guard position. Take, yes, that is Take the him thing. out He's of the point, point guard position. Let this dude be a slasher at the three. And then put him in pick and roll situations with a guy like, I don't know, Darius Garland for the Cavaliers. And watch how much better people talk about Ben Simmons on the offensive end of the floor. The, the thing that has messed him up is that how many games do you watch where he plays Kevin Love for the Sixers, meaning he just sits in the corner. Like, they'll get the ball in to Joel Embiid, and then uh, Simmons just goes to the corner. And you're like, what's he going to do over there? <laughs> Nothing. Well, even to further that, Mike, I think that he's a power forward or a center right now. And having sure. Joel Embiid, who is the second best center in the NBA behind Nikola Jokic, having him on the floor, you're playing two centers at the same time, essentially. Uh -huh. One of them can shoot. One of them can handle the ball. But it's very hard for them to coexist offensively. It's, again, part of the reason why that those teams have been so tremendous defensively. But it's hard for them to coexist on the offensive side of the floor. So when you have that, it just it bogs everything down. It's why that yeah. Philadelphia's team building was so bad oh. the year before this past season, the, the, the year that the season halted. And then I believe they got swept in the playoffs by Boston. Their yep. team was just built so poorly they had no space. It was built better this year. Obviously, that showed in the regular season. But once Embiid's knee got hurt and he wasn't necessarily the same guy in the playoffs and Ben right, Simmons did disappear against Atlanta, they had no chance. Yeah. Uh, they took a step in the right direction. But ultimately, I think that they need to get a more of a shot creator, a guy that can also create his own shot on the perimeter in place of Ben Simmons. And then that team could really take off. But again, Ben Simmons is going to be a better player when he's not in Philadelphia. All right. So uh, my last question on Ben Simmons, and then we'll turn this away from being just a Ben Simmons podcast for the evening. Uh, oh, we're a huge he, Ben Simmons. He, we podcast are the one now. and only Ben Simmons. It's going to be just a podcast. Ben Simmons podcast. <laughs> uh, so the, obviously, like you said, Danny, he's going to get moved. He's not going to play for the Sixers anymore. Uh the Cavaliers have been one of the four or five teams that just have continuously been linked to the Ben Simmons discussion. They've, they've shown some interest in him. What do you think the, the, the chances are that the Cavaliers want to put together a package to land Ben Simmons? You know, I think that they would be interested in it. 
I don't know that they have the assets that Philadelphia wants. Um, Philadelphia has a very high asking price for Ben Simmons, and they should. He's a really good player, despite that his obvious warts. I propose this trade that I don't even think gets it done at ESPN Cleveland right after the Philadelphia series. And this is when everyone was super down on Ben Simmons. There were so many prisoners of the moment, so many people that, you know, watch playoff basketball, but they don't watch basketball on a Tuesday night in March. They just, you know, when the lights are shining the brightest, it's because they're the ones that are watching it. Right. So I proposed trading Colin Sexton, Kevin Love, and a first round pick for Ben Simmons. And that was, you know, taken by the Twitter masses, the Cavs fans that don't watch Philly basketball as an extremely hot take, a terrible trade. Why would you give up <laughs> Colin Sexton for a bum that can't shoot? Uh, you, you know, keeping in mind, you know, you're also getting off of Kevin Wolf's contract in this deal. Right. And right. I don't think that that gets it done on Philadelphia's end. I think that the Sixers would want more and probably could get more for that. But I, if you could pull off that deal for Ben Simmons, I do it and don't think twice. Um, maybe you had- listen that that's a sorry. No, sorry. go ahead. Go sorry, ahead. <laughs> I was going to say that sounds way better than a James Harden. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> Philadelphia would have to believe that Colin Sexton is a game changing player, which I don't know that he is. They would have to believe that they're going to get a much better version of Kevin Love than the Cavs have gotten or the U.S. men's Olympic team got in the brief period he was in training camp with them. And that certainly did hinder the Cavs hopes that they are going to be able to move him. And then the protections on that pick would also be something that are interesting to see if it did ever come to fruition. But Philadelphia probably could do better than that. That said, it's I think it's a almost fair deal. The Cavs would probably need to throw in more, but it's something that if you're Cleveland, it helps your roster so much. Defensively, you're so much better. Um, I would have liked it a lot more, I will say, had the Cavs ended up number one or number two in the draft and been able to take Kate Cunningham or Jalen Green. But then you, you essentially do have a plethora of bigs in Cleveland with Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Ben Simmons, Larry Nance Jr. It's it becomes a little clunky here as well, but you, you would have time to figure it out. You'd have a young team and you would finally have, you know, potentially two stars because if Ben Simmons stepped into the, the practice facility for the Cavs, the second that his foot hits the floor, he's the best player the franchise had since LeBron leaves. That is correct. Yeah. So uh, Danny Cunningham joining us here on the garage beers podcast, go follow him at, uh, at Real D Cunningham on Twitter. So let's talk some Cavaliers. Let's get off of Ben Simmons and let's talk about people that are right here because Danny, guys, like, does anybody really know where the Cavaliers are right now other than they didn't improve from two years ago to this year? Uh, they are... The, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, they're, they're in the midst of a rebuild and you've got these players, these four guys right now that everybody talks about is like the cornerstone of that rebuild. Sexton, Garland, Okoro, and Jared Allen. You still have Kevin Love on the team. You still have a first-round pick in Dylan Windler. You've got guys like Torian Prince and Larry Nance Jr., who is a fan favorite and all that. But, like, I got to be honest with you. From the from listening to the, the conversations, the rumors, which some rumors are just rumors. Some rumors have their, their foundation and truth. Uh, it doesn't really feel like Colby Altman is super satisfied with the direction that this team has kind of gone. Uh, do, do you get that sense, like, it, the, the rebuild feels a little bit like it's it's directionless at the moment. 
Yeah, it, they feel like a team that is still searching. And part of this is the fact they've got a little bit unlucky in the draft. Yeah. They haven't missed on draft picks. Like Colin Sexton's a good player. That was a good pick. You can mm-hmm. you can say that they did whiff because they could have taken Shea Gilgis Alexander, who went one pick behind Sexton and is certainly a superior player. But getting a player of Colin's caliber at eight certainly should be viewed as a win. Darius Garland, a good player at number five overall. If you look back at that draft, you really don't see many players you would have taken over him if you're doing a redraft right now. He probably goes in a very similar position that he went. Isaac Okoro, again, fifth pick. I think that it's way too early to make any assumptions on that because this was a really weird year. You know, Okoro went from playing in the SEC tournament, maybe one game or finishing out the regular season and then not playing competitive basketball until the NBA preseason right. in December. Like, right. that's a really long time with no summer league and just unforeseen circumstances. And then playing your rookie year, really hard to do. So I, I don't think it's fair to make any evaluations, really good or bad, about Acora right now. That said, by time when the Cavs are actually in the playoffs again, and I don't know when that's going to be. But if they are going to be in the playoffs again anytime soon, the reason that they're going to be in the playoffs is the guy that they select on Thursday night. If it's wow. Jalen Green that Houston decides to pass on it too, or if it's Evan Mobley because he magically fell into their laps at number three, or if they trade up and take Kate Cunningham, that's going to be the guy. When there's a home playoff game at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, the guy they draft on Thursday night is going to be the guy that comes off the bench last in player introductions. He's going to be the face of the franchise. And if this pick is a bust, well, then they continue to search throughout the wilderness. But that's essentially <laughs> where this franchise is at. The core four that you mentioned of Allen, Okoro, Garland, and Sexton, they're really nice complimentary players. I think that Garland probably has the highest upside of that group. The other guys are role players but good role players and hey you need those type of guys to be successful in the league but they're searching for a star and until they find a star their tires are going to continue to spin so my question is uh, one player because uh, i talked about it, it feels like a bit directionless and something happened that that i think we still talk about although uh, not through anybody's fault i would say but the thing that happened beginning of last year, that Kevin Porter thing, man, I think he was the star. Like, and I thought that last year, he felt like the star. How much did that situation, in hindsight, now a year removed from that whole situation, how much did that set this whole thing back? It certainly stings. Um, and it did set the rebuild back. Listen, Kevin Porter Jr. had the, the highest ceiling of anyone on the roster. There was no question about that. But, you know, he was picked 30th overall by the Cavs. And if I'm saying that he had the highest ceiling of anyone on the roster and he was picked 30th, you have to think about why he <laughs> went 30th, right? right? And there, a lot of fans want to blame the Cavs. Oh, they gave up on this guy, another guy going elsewhere being successful. The Cavs did a lot behind the scenes to try and make that situation work. And it finally got to a point where that situation was never going to work, where it just, it became untenable. Um, And you have to move on from it. And there are a lot of things that you can blame Kobe Altman for. You can disagree with Kobe Altman on. I certainly have my qualms with the way that he's built this team, but this is not one of them. 
Kevin Porter Jr. And, you know, I hope the best for the kid. I really want to see him succeed. I think he's uber talented. He's a treat to watch. But he needed to figure his life out a little bit. And it wasn't happening in Cleveland. And the Cavs stood by him as long as they could. And I hope it works for him in Houston. But it got to a point where it was just never going to work for him in Cleveland. It was never going to work for the Cavs with him in Cleveland. And they had to move on. It stings because you lost a really talented player. But the, the situation, the Cavs couldn't have done anything differently other than, you know, not draft him. So I got a question here. Uh, Dan, I want to take it back a little bit. Uh, you know, you mentioned that, um, you, you know, if this franchise is going to turn itself around, it's going to be the player that they draft in this draft, whether it be, you know, whether they trade up and take Cade Cunningham, uh, Jalen Green, or, you know, they stay at three and take Evan Mobley. So I, I guess with, uh, you know, as it stands now, it looks like it appears Evan Mobley is going to fall into their lap. Uh, what do you see? What is it about Evan Mobley? Uh, actually, I mean, the question is a two-parter, but what is it about Evan Mobley that you see uh, that can possibly turn this franchise around? And even with, like, as you said before, too, that you have a plethora of big men if you take Evan, even if you take Evan Mobley and don't even trade for Ben Simmons. And then I guess on my, my second part of that question is, and again, this is another report, many teams are trying to trade up with the Cavs to, to, to try to take Evan Mobley. I mean, I guess that's an indication right there that he's that, that good. But you have teams like Toronto, Oklahoma City, uh, Golden State, Memphis, trying to trade up with the Cavs to do that. Is this decision as, is e- is as easy as uh, j- j- you stay at three and take Mobley? Or could one of those teams ent- like entice you uh, to trade out of that with a package to, 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 to take Mobley? I think, and I'll answer the second question first. I think that if you're going to trade out of three and trade down, you need to be blown away by something that someone else is offering you. you. You do. I know that Oklahoma City has a war chest of draft capital in the coming years. I think they own the entire 2025 NBA draft. If not, I'm not <laughs> mistaken. I think they might actually be making all 60 picks in that draft. Um, so maybe you could just be handed that draft. Uh, but but in seriousness, you, you do need to be blown away. Um, mm-hmm. Evan Mobley is a franchise-changing type of talent. We could be looking back at this draft in five years and he could be the best player that comes out of it. That world does exist. Yep. I think that he fits in really well offensively. He's going to be terrific in the pick and roll with Darius Garland. That's the thing I'm most excited for him because he's a guy that his jumper needs a little bit of work, but he's going to get better at that. You hope he can run to the rim. He can pass out of the short roll. He can do everything you ask of him in that situation. You can, run your offense through him at the elbow, sort of reminiscent of fat Kevin Love in Minnesota. Think back to those days when, you know, Kevin was a little bit huskier and certainly put up better numbers on a bad team. But you you can sort of treat Evan Mobley like that, where you're getting him a ton of elbow touches and you can run plays where he's sort of distributing the ball off of those types of looks. That's a big thing that you're going to be able to do. He's a good finisher around the rim. Um, defensively he's super switchable he might be seven feet tall but he's not going to be able to get played off the floor if you you know yeah when everyone thinks of a traditional big man they think of rudy gobert just presence at the rim that you you are not dunking on him you are he is altering every layup you attempt and he is just a monster in the paint but if you get him out on the switch on the perimeter you can make him look like a goofball 
You're not going to be able to do that with Evan Mobley. He's much quicker than your typical seven footer. He's going to be very switchable defensively. He's, I don't know that he'll be able to guard one through five. You know, one and two might be difficult, but he's going to be able to guard three through five without a problem. And that might even be able to expand as he matures and kind of finds his footing in the NBA. He's got great feet. Um, and he's a really good shot blocker too. He blocked three shots a game at USC as a freshman. He was a Pac-12 player, player of the year this year. He is yeah. somebody that he can change your franchise. The thing that worries me about him is he's not a great shooter. Um, he shot 30% from three as a freshman this year at Southern Cal. And I don't always look at that number in a vacuum because I don't think it tells the whole story, but it's also worth noting, you know, he shot less than 70% from the free throw line. I think that's a pretty good indicator of the type of shooter you're going to be in the NBA. And that's just not where I would like it to be. If he were somebody that shot 80 or 85% from the free throw line in college, then I might be thinking, okay, we've got, you know, a mix of Carl Anthony Towns and a good defensive center on our hands. But I think that he he's not going to get to that elite offensive level of center like Carl Anthony Towns where he's just bombing away seven or eight threes a game at a 40% right. clip. But I think he's going to be really damn good. And pairing him with Darius Garland is going to be a really fun watch as a one-two combination in the pick and roll for a lot of years to come. Oh, go on, Danny. All right. Get me excited. See, here's the thing, right? You can watch as much basketball as you want to watch. Uh, and, and, and I admittedly uh, am much more of an NBA guy than I am a college guy. Uh, and so when you've got these guys that are out on the West Coast playing at USC or whatever, you ca- like you catch them at, for me personally, I catch them at like championship weekend and then the tournament. And so getting a little more insight is awesome. I also want to send just a very quick shout out to fat Kevin love and his chin strap uh, that he had back at at UCLA and at uh, in Minnesota. That was, that's a terrific, some people might like sexy Kevin love, but give me fat Kevin with the chin strap all day. Uh, It's, it's incredible. Actually. So I, uh, I previously worked in Minnesota. I covered the Timberwolves for uh, two seasons up there. And one of the things we did at the place I was working, we did like a Minnesota sports rewind sort of like a rewatchables type thing. Yeah. And one of the games we did was Kevin loves 30, 30, he had 30 points, 30 rebounds in a game against the Knicks. Yep. And just like, obviously I had known Kevin a little bit from being in Cleveland before. And he looks like a different person. It was incredible to see. And I remember, (laughs) you know what he looked like, but actually going back and watching a full game 10 years later, whatever it was like, this is incredible. I cannot believe this is the same guy. (laughs) The dude was the next coming of Charles Barkley there for a minute, like round and round then, rebound. And then all he day. ended up on GQ. Yeah, what? Nobody would have ever seen that coming. No. Uh, all right, so let's dive into a couple of these things. You brought up the Cavaliers uh, uh, maintaining contact with the Pistons. Again, you think that's just the Pistons kind of talking to the Cavs and the Rockets, but do you think there's, like, is there a potential there? Like, is that something we should be watching for as Cavs fans? Like, is there a chance the Cavs go up to number one? I mean, I don't know what it's going to take to trade up with Detroit, but Detroit has a price. Everyone always has a price. Yes. And it might Says, be too high to meet, right? Like, it uh, might be quoted, wise for, for them to not trade up. But if you're Kobe Altman, you're not doing your job if you're not calling it, right? Like, that is your job is to find out what's out there, to find out what it takes. 
and it might be too high for your liking and that's okay that might be the right decision for sure but if you don't at least find out you're not doing your job correctly you just quoted the million dollar man ted dibiase everyone's got a price and again <laughs> i appreciated that uh <laughs> i brought up kevin porter before and and the, the intriguing guy to me although it seems like it's done is Jalen Green. And it, it feels like if Jalen Green could somehow make his way onto the Cavaliers, it almost writes the Kevin Porter wrong. And again, there's no blame. I agree with you 100%. There was no way to keep Kevin Porter Jr. on the Cavaliers. There, it, it wasn't going to happen from the offseason issues that he had to then like arguing about who's in his locker or what and like acting like he's been here for 10 years. There was a lot of stuff that were going to cause Kevin Porter Jr. to go. But Jalen Green is that kind of player, right? He's that explosive athlete, incredible scorer, can do everything. Uh, uh, a lot of people ta- are talking about Jalen Green like like almost why is Cade Cunningham being talked about as the unanimous number one? Because here's this Jalen Green guy that looks like he can be an immediate impact superstar. Do you feel that way about him? I do. Um, I think Cade Cunningham is going to be great, but I think it's kind of a 1A, 1B uh, scenario in this draft. I would, if I had the first pick, I would take Cade Cunningham. But if okay. I had the second pick, the moment that Adam Silver says, Cade <laughs> Cunningham, point guard, Oklahoma State, I'm sprinting to the podium <laughs> to pick Jalen Green. Like and that's also Jalen Green. Yes, I, I I think that he is Kevin Porter Jr. times one and a half in terms of all the things that you just mentioned. He can do everything Kevin Porter Jr. can do, but he does it better. Um, I, I think that he could be the next Bradley Beal. He could be, I yeah. don't want to say Kevin Durant. And I know Jay Billis mentioned him that there are some similarities there. He didn't want to compare the two, but he is, he's the guy in this draft that he might not necessarily be the best player that comes out of this draft. But if you look at a guy, if you just say, pick out one guy of the 60 selections and which guy has the best chance to lead the NBA in scoring it is Jalen Green, and it's not particularly close. Love it. Uh, Chad, you saw a trade down, uh, and we actually already talked about this a little bit, but do you want to bring that up, the, the Oklahoma City rumor? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just bringing up reports guy, I guess. <laughs> Shea Gilgis Alexander. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Uh, I mean, uh, another rumor, report, I guess. Shea Gilgis Alexander and the sixth pick. Uh, to the Cavs for uh, for the third pick. I, I don't know if that has any merit. I don't know if that, like, I, I don't know if you would be blown away by that uh, there, Danny, or if that was, if it was like, no, no thanks, I'm staying and picking Mobley. Um, I don't know that I'm entirely blown away, but it's definitely hard to hang on, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, the, the, the wind created by that proposition is definitely moving me. It's, it's pushing the needle. Um, <laughs> Shea is an all-NBA caliber player. The only question you have is, are you ready to start going for it? Um, the Cavs probably think that they are. If you look at the roster, it probably tells you otherwise. But Shea is a great player. It also sort of gives you the chance to, I don't want to say right or wrong, but it gives you the chance to add someone that you don't have. He immediately becomes the best player on the team. Then you have the crowded backcourt and then you do have to, you know, probably trade Colin Sexton if that's the case, but a Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Darius Garland in the backcourt would be really, really fun. Then you might have some issues in the front court, but 
those two guys could be really good together for a long time. And, you know, you have the sixth pick there as well. If that's the case, you're selecting Scotty Barnes, Jonathan Kaminga, maybe Jalen Suggs slips that far. I doubt it. But one of those three guys is going to be there at number six. And that's adding another piece to the puzzle. I'm certain I'm high on Jonathan Kaminga. I know he's got some concerns that, that maybe he's not, he's got a little Andrew Wiggins in him, but he's six, eight. And if you can get him to figure it out, man, adding Shea just Alexander, Jonathan Kaminga, Darius Garland, Jared Allen, Larry Nance jr. That's a core that's going to win 50 games in the next three years. And yeah. that's much more to be excited about than the Cavs have ever had. I don't know I just, if that core ever gets good enough to become a championship contender. It probably depends on what Jonathan Kuminga would turn into if you do select him sixth. But I, that's a core that could be really good for a long time and really fun for a long time, too. So how do the Cavs pull that off? Get SGA in here. And pull off the Ben Simmons thing because now my head is going and it's like, okay, <laughs> let's let's just re let's overhaul this whole damn thing and do like and let's have a starting five of like Garland, SGA, Okoro, Simmons, and, and Jared Allen. And let's roll with that. And I feel like that team makes the playoffs. How that do we make team that? does make that team would make the playoffs. And truthfully, th- okay, disclaimer here, this is not going to happen. Okay. But the way you make that happen. <laughs> is OKC sends that sixth pick to Philadelphia, and you are essentially trading number three, Colin Sexton, Kevin Love, and probably another first-round pick for a combination of Ben Simmons and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Send it. And send it. It probably takes a little bit more. Like, Torian Prince probably has to be involved, too. You're going to trade him away. Bye, Torian. And, and, and maybe even something else. Buy something else. <laughs> if somehow you got Daryl Morey and you got Sam Presti to agree to that, yeah, the Detroit Pistons are drafting Cade Cunningham, but you win the draft night. Oh, give it that. I don't know. Hey, listen, but I feel like, again, this goes back to what I was talking about before. And, and this is the fun of draft night. I don't have to sit here and act like I know what the hell I'm talking about. I'm not making these decisions. The fun of draft night is there's all these things hanging out there. The Cavs could trade up to number one. They could trade for Ben Simmons. They could do that SGA trade. There's all these things that are possible out there that it goes back to what I was talking about before, though. The reason it almost doesn't seem impossible is because, again, I don't feel like the Cavaliers are happy with where their rebuild has taken them. And again, well, they shouldn't be. Well, and sometimes sometimes it bites you in the ass. Sometimes uh, you draft. Everybody says when you're drafted, need or best player available, blah, blah, blah. You have that discussion. The Cavs have taken the best player sitting in front of them, right? Colin yeah. Sexton, I agree with you, was a good pick at number eight. He's not a franchise player. And he hasn't shown any signs of being a franchise player. I know he can, I know he can put up 40 points any given night. But, like, it's not the consistency that you look for in a guy that's a franchise player. I think Darius Garland's going to be a great point guard, so I'm real excited about that. But, like, the reason you feel like some of these crazy things could happen is I feel like Kobe Altman's Kobe Altman's got to start feeling the heat here eventually. Like, I got to turn this thing around or I'm not going to be around here very much longer. You are correct. That That is going to be the case. If the Cavaliers turn in another season like this past one, you yeah. know, I, I think they've won 19 games, 19 games, and what? 22 games this year 
since LeBron left, if they don't win 30 games this season, I would be stunned if Kobe Altman is making a draft pick again for the Cavs. I would be stunned if he makes it through, you know, to next offseason if someone else isn't running the ship. Um, and, and even if you but, think yeah. about it, Danny, even if you think about it, this season was not an improvement on last season. They won 19 games no. in a shortened season. Yeah, yeah you are 100% correct. And 22 games this year, like that's, you don't have improvement. Like, I feel like, I feel like, and you know how Dan Gilbert likes to get rid of his general managers. So well, there's it, no it, way this guy has a long Kobe reach. is, it's funny, Kobe's the only d- general manager that Dan Gilbert has signed to an extension. Right, exactly. If you go back since Dan purchased the team back in, I think, uh, 2007, no one's made it past their first contract. And the Cavs had a GM that built a title team and did not get a second contract. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I get it. Okay. But it's true. Uh, I'm glad you brought up Kobe, Mike, because I wanted to ask you this, Danny. In your eyes, I mean, obviously, we talk, you know, Kobe is has to feel the pressure this year. I mean, he, you could tell he was feeling it in his, in his postseason presser when he said he realizes that winning games are important and he needs to start winning. It, 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 is drafting Evan Mobley enough? Or what? Or is 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 the moves he make? How I guess how important is this offseason? Yeah. Because is the moves he make is the is the moves he make like do the do, does the team actually have to start winning or does he have to sh- does this team have to show that they're going in the right direction for Kobe to say? You see what I'm saying? Like 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 where like what's the point where Kobe stays or Kobe goes this year? I think they need to show signs of life and they've not had a heartbeat for three years. Um, I'm not saying that they need to make the playoffs. I'm not saying that they need to make the play in, although those things certainly would go a long way for Kobe Allman's job security. I'm not saying that those things need to happen for him to keep his job, but it would go a long way in that direction. They need to show improvement and it's not entirely on Evan Mobley, who I do think will come in right away and help. He's going to be, a good NBA player early on in his career. There's going to be a learning curve, but he's going to be good. But you need to see improvement from Darius Garland, who, again, I think he's going to take a pretty big step up this season. I think he took a good step up last season. You need to see improvement from Isaac Okoro. He needs to take that next step up. If Colin Sexton is on the team, you need to see a better version of him next season. If Colin Sexton's not on the team, whatever you got for Colin Sexton needs to be good. Right. So you right. have to show signs of life. You have to show signs yeah. at least that the team is trending in the right direction. And again, if they don't win more than 32 games, I will say, or less than 32 games, if this is another 50 loss team, uh, it's hard to envision Kobe Altman being back again as GM of this team. And it felt like uh, we talked about it. So uh, admittedly, Joey's here. Uh, but he's not a big basketball guy. He's not a big NBA guy. And we, we talked, he's been making fun of us because last year, the first part of last year, I don't know if anybody remembers this, but the Cavs were kind of entertaining, right? Like you talked about them not really having a pulse, but the first part of last year, I don't know what it was that the Cavs found a little bit of entertainment. We talked on this podcast, like, oh man, this is, this is about as much fun as we've had watching the Cavs in a couple of years. And then it just totally fell off. Like it completely. Well, they got off to that three and O start. Remember? I mean, they were undefeated. Yes. In the play, they were the number one seed in the Let's East after go. a week of the season. Yeah, take that, Milwaukee. <laughs> yes. Yeah, suck it, Giannis. Yeah. 
But basically, <laughs> if you think back, they play the Nets in back-to-back games. The one game they won, I don't remember if it was overtime or double overtime, but Colin Sexton had the best game of his career, right? Correct. Yes. That was the peak of that team. From that night on, they were just bad. <laughs> um, I would like to see what their winning percentage was from one from minute. there on out, but they were not, not good. good. And, you know, mm-hmm. part of it had to do with the roster got flipped over a little bit as the trade deadline neared. Larry Nance Jr. was out for most of the year. Jared Allen was not the same guy after his concussion. And those, you know, it changed the equation a little bit. And the long losing streak near the end of the season certainly hurt the record a ton. But they peaked in, what, was that January or February? I, like, I don't remember. I, no, the it was like, yeah, game. it was like, think, yeah, it was January. It was way early. But that was like the peak of that team. It just kind of felt like they got to that point and was like, oh, well, good season, guys. We'll see you next year. We <laughs> right? right? You can't have that. You have to continue to get better. And the Cavs just flat out didn't. Certain guys showed signs of life. But as a team, it, it just felt like they were spinning their tires for the last four months of the season. So looking around the NBA a little bit more, uh, and especially with rumors flying at draft time, uh, the other big thing that, that gets reported that I find very entertaining, the Lakers apparently have off- offered Kyle Kuzma to anybody that would listen. And like <laughs> nobody is biting on Kyle Kuzma. And, and I've got to say, and I, this, I, I want to be careful. I talk about Colin Sexton because I think Colin Sexton in his ultimate role is like, could be one of the best six men in basketball. Yes. But I don't think Colin Sexton moves the needle for a franchise as far as winning or losing games. I don't, I don't think he, I, I, well, could be losing games if he's your franchise player. Uh, it, that's like Kyle Kuzma to me, right? Like this guy is talented enough, I guess, but like, I feel like the Lakers are offering up Kyle Kuzma, like trying to act like it's LeBron. And I don't know. The guy doesn't move the needle really. He's like, he's like a good secondary type of player, right? Like why do you think they're not getting any offers on Kyle Kuzma? Well, I think part of it is just the, you know, the Lakers exceptionalism, right? That it's a franchise that can do no wrong. It's got a certain shine to it. And it's a franchise that has earned that shine throughout its history without question. I mean, it's the second most decorated franchise in the NBA behind the Boston Celtics. Like they, they've kind of, earned that exceptionalism a little bit. I I think that Colin Sexton is a better player than Kyle Kuzma. I think that he would, he should yes. garner more in a trade. Um, and to the point about, I, I do think Colin Sexton can help winning. I just think it has to be in the right role. Yes. Um, honestly, if Colin Sexton were five years older and been in Cleveland during the LeBron years, he would have been the perfect fit coming off the bench. Those teams always needed scoring off the bench. If you could have injected Colin Sexton onto the 2017 Cavs instead of, say, Darren Williams, who was on that team, <laughs> that team is is better. And that was the yes. best team in franchise history, right? Yes. Like, he's a guy that can't affect winning. It just has to be in the right role. And I also want to say, you know, none of this is his fault. No. Colin didn't ask to come in and be the franchise guy. He wanted to Correct. come in put his head down, work hard, get better, play basketball. And he's done all those things. And he's done those things at a high level. But because of the way the Cavs acquired him, where they traded Kyrie Irving and the crown jewel of the package that they got back was the Brooklyn Nets unprotected draft pick that turned out to be Colin Sexton, right? And they didn't want to trade that pick for DeAndre Jordan and LeBron's last year because Dan Gilbert swore he would never let his franchise be hung out to dry again 
the way that it was in 2010 when LeBron bolted for Miami. Because of that, they've painted Colin Sexton in a way as sort of a savior of basketball. Right. It's not something that Colin Sexton asked for. It's not something that he was made for. Right. Like right. you have to consider these things. And I feel bad for him because of these, these things. If he's in the right role, he's more successful than he is now, but he's kind of been painted into a corner where they expect him to be the franchise. And now after doing that for so many years, push comes to shove and you have to make the decision about paying him. And I think it's a bad idea to give him a max contract. If that's the yes. case, the Cavs just put themselves into more of a box with another okay. contract that's not going to age well. So you, they have created this own conundrum by themselves. Wait, you are trying to say Isaiah Thomas did not work out? <laughs> uh, he did not. Neither did no. uh, oh. Oh, neither did George Hill and Jordan Clarkson uh. and Rodney Hood and all the guys they traded Colin Sexton and Jay Crowder and Channing Fry for. In fairness, <laughs> in fairness, uh, nobody saw the Nets going on like a a like a ten game winning streak to end that season. That like that Nets pick was supposed to be like a top three pick in itself, and then the Nets like finished the last two months of their season ten games over five hundred, and it was like, what the hell just happened? Those like, uh, those guys played really hard for Kenny Atkinson, man. I watched a lot of those games. The they played a really fun style of basketball that year in Brooklyn. They just weren't super talented. Yeah, I'm glad um, it was but fun they for played them. really hard for Kenny Atkinson. It was fun to watch. Truly, it just they, they weren't very talented. I hated it. I'm just watching the Cavs draft pick. Just like <laughs> goodbye, bye, yeah, goodbye, it, goodbye. It, I there were a lot of people very frustrated with that, but I, I mean, you do have to give Kenny Atkinson credit for for that team, especially when they had nothing to play for for basically five years straight. All right, Danny Cunningham, draft is tomorrow. We've talked about a lot of stuff. We've talked about Ben Simmons. We've talked about Colin Sexton. What kind of trades move the needle? Ultimately, though, ultimately, there's a lot of talk going on, but do you feel like we get to the draft night tomorrow, the Cavs go on the clock at number three, and Evan Mobley is a Cavalier? I do. If I had to put money down on the most likely situation or most likely outcome, for the draft on Thursday night, I think the Cavaliers will make the third pick and they will select Evan Mobley out of USC. Um, I don't know that that's the best case scenario. I, I do think the best case scenario is finding a trade with Detroit trading up or coming. But I think that the most likely scenario is Evan Mobley will be in Independence, Ohio on Friday, having a press conference at Cleveland Clinic Court. I'm going to ask you one quick question because I was about to wrap it up, but now I have a quick question for you because you brought up sure thing. him again. Um, oh, I could talk about Cade for hours, man. Yeah, I think okay, he's so, so good. So I have a question, but, but here's the question, right? Uh, a little bit of his is like what's going on with Ben Simmons, right? He, ben Simmons is a much better player than people recognize, but he had an awful postseason. And so everybody's talking about Ben Simmons like he's trash. Cade Cunningham wasn't exactly super impressive on the back end of Oklahoma State season. Sure. Uh, uh, and he didn't have a great tournament. And I, and I don't I don't know. So for the casual fan that maybe watches, and I'll admit to this, that maybe watches college basketball come conference tournament slash NCAA tournament time. What did we not see out of Cade Cunningham? Because when I, and again, a bit casual on the college basketball front, when I watched Cade Cunningham, uh, I was like, this guy's the number one overall pick. 
I think that Cade was loyal to Oklahoma State, and it probably was not the best idea for his collegiate career. He played on a team that was certainly far from being loaded with talent. Um, he's a guy yes. that the things that I love about him didn't necessarily show all the time in college because they couldn't show all the time. Um, the, the first time I watched Cade Cunningham play a collegiate game, I don't remember the game. It stuck out to me how bad his teammates were. But the thing that <laughs> stuck out to me the most was how in control of the game he was at every moment. Like no matter if it was offense, defense, he had the ball in his hands, didn't have the ball in his hands. He was the guy that was in control of the game. And it's a very rare thing to find that an 18 year old, which kid Cunningham was at the time. Right. So because of that, it's just like when you find that, and it's not something that, sorry, as a motorcycle drives by. Jesus. You, yeah, did you just get run over? I uh, know. <laughs> you okay yeah. out there, Danny? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> but you don't find that in people. Um, he's more athletic, I think, than he showed at Oklahoma State because he couldn't get to the rim nearly as much as he wanted, not because he couldn't move and shake past his own guy, but because he would do that. And there's another guy out there, right? There's yeah. another guy that's able to cheat in off the weak side corner because the guy in the weak side corner is not a threat. So even if Cade gets there, makes the right pass, the shot probably clinks off the rim because he's, he's throwing it out to a 27% three point shooter. That's in the corner. That doesn't help Cade look any good, but if you're, you know, more than just a casual fan watching like, Cade Cunningham made the right play there. That's not his fault. That's essentially yeah. the story of the Oklahoma State Cowboys this season. Cade Cunningham was the best player in college basketball, but he was not surrounded by the, the caliber of talent that the best player in college basketball surrounds. Um, and it's funny to bring up Ben Simmons and Cade Cunningham because I do think Cade's what the apex of Cade could be is if you envision Ben Simmons but let him shoot 40% from three. Uh, That's the kind of guy that Cade Cunningham uh, can be in the NBA. Now, if you let Ben Simmons shoot 40% from three, we're talking about a guy that's, you know, a top five player in the league, right? Oh, MVP, like MVP candidate every year. Exactly. That's the type of guy Cade Cunningham can be. He is a much better shooter. He's an equally good distributor. He's got a feel for the game that I don't want to say is unmatched, but it's really rare for someone his age to already have he can play fast, which a lot of kids can play fast, but he can play slow. And that's something that it's really hard to learn, but already knowing how to do that's a big deal. And I, I think Cade does not have very many weaknesses in his game. Um, and I'm really excited to see what he is as a pro. Okay, cool, Danny. So you got me real excited about Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, and Evan Mobley. And Evan Mobley. You got me excited about three guys. The Cavs have the third pick. We're going to wind up with one of those guys. So I feel, I'm feeling good. Over the course yeah. of this conversation, I'm feeling three? good, Danny. I appreciate you. Can, can we draft all three? <laughs> uh, that would yeah. be nice. I don't think that one's in the cards. Um, you they may don't need have to trade Torian Prince for that. Torian Prince may have to go in that deal. You, you might have to trade Lamar Stevens, too, <laughs> yeah. uh, if you want to get that done. But I, I swear to God, if Dean Wade leaves this team, I am losing it. Well, you might lose it then. Uh, <laughs> oh. oh, my goodness. Those are some names. I actually saw I was uh, I was walking down the street home from work today and I actually saw someone wearing a Daniel Gibson jersey. So it's Booby. been a day. 
Yeah. Let's go. It was uh, one of the Navy ones, very worn out. You could tell this guy, you know, it wasn't just, oh, look what I found and pulled out of the closet. This was in the dude's rotation for clothing. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. <laughs> hey, listen, Wait. I was at, I was at 2007 game six of the Eastern conference final Daniel Gibson's oh. finest game of all time where he yes, just lit he, up he made the a career off that night. He should have. It was amazing. Sent the Cavs to the finals. That didn't go well, but no. Uh, and now he, and now he's on loving hip hop Hollywood. That's so awesome. Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a wild ride for Booby Gibson to say the least. Danny <laughs> yeah, Cunningham, very wild any, ride. Anything we didn't talk about tonight that you're like, I think this could happen. It, it doesn't have to be with the Cavaliers. It could be just NBA wide. Is there a player, a name, a trade, a rumor that you think, Oh, watch out for this over the next couple of days. Um, I think Bradley, the Bradley Beal situation is one certainly worth monitoring. Um, I know he hasn't requested a trade from Washington right now, but there are a couple of teams out there that have the ammunition to go and get Bradley Beal. The Warriors are certainly one to watch. They've got picks number seven um, as a result of the D'Angelo Russell, Andrew Wiggins trade that one's from Minnesota and then their own pick at number 14. They are interesting to watch. They're in a space where, they still want to compete for championships. They still have Steph Curry, who he showed last year. He's not anywhere near done. We don't know what Klay Thompson is going to be coming off of an Achilles tear and an ACL tear in the last two years. Well, since right. he's played a basketball game. Right. Draymond Green is still a really good defender, despite that he does not, he cannot score offensively anymore. But when you have those three guys and you think that you have a chance to win a championship, you don't often have two lottery pick rookies on the roster. So I no. think that it's really interesting to see what they do. If there's one team that's most likely to pull off a trade, it's them, I think. Uh, I think Bradley Beal immediately puts them back into championship contention, too. Uh, especially, I would agree Especially with that, if, yes. if Clay can come back. If, if you've got Steph Clay and Bradley Beal all playing at the same time, good luck. I and agree. Draymond, yeah. All right. Danny Cunningham from ESPN Cleveland. Go follow him online at Twitter at Real D Cunningham. Danny, man, we really appreciate you coming on with us. Uh, it is an awesome time. Uh, very exciting time to be a Cavs fan. And hopefully uh, the Cavs rebuild gets a huge uh, boost tomorrow or tonight, I guess, if you're listening to this uh, with the NBA draft. Danny, thank you so much for coming on with us on the Garage Pierce podcast. You got it, guys. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. And again, our special thanks goes out to Danny Cunningham from ESPN Cleveland. Go follow Matt Real D. Cunningham. And you especially want to follow him now that the draft is going on with all things NBA. Uh, Danny will have you covered if he can find time somewhere to tweet or uh, whatever about, uh, about the draft. But uh, our thanks goes out to Danny Cunningham. So, boys... There's uh, it's just one of these episodes where there's just a lot going on. This was a crazy week in Cleveland sports since episode 74. When we had Mark Latestu on a lot of things have happened. We have talked Olympics. We've talked Cavaliers and NBA draft, but let's dive in a little bit more. Uh, right after we released episode 74, the Cleveland Indians last Friday made the official announcement. They will no longer be the Indians after this year. They will be the Cleveland Guardians. Yeah. And Chad, I know you and I jumped online real quick to do a little bit of a live reaction to that. But now we've had about a week to react or, or to kind of 
let that weigh on us a little bit and see how we're feeling. But I'm interested, Joe, you weren't able to jump on with us. So, Joe, I kind of want to give you first word on this. Uh, when you saw the Indians, we've all known the Indians were going to change their name. But when you saw they picked the Guardians and we're going to roll forward with that, what are your thoughts? I am pumped that they picked the Guardians. Uh, that was my top option. Um, they could have picked anything other than Spiders and I would have been happy. <laughs> Um, I think I would have maybe actually thrown a fit like some people are about the guardians about if they picked the spiders. Um, I think the name's great. Font's cool. I think the logo is fine. Uh, I kind of wish they didn't release that right now. I kind of wish that maybe they just released the name change. They didn't have to have this whole uh, kind of uh, release right now. It just seemed a little weird. Um I th- the logo is definitely fine. I feel like there's it's a little cartoonish. I think there's other cool aspects you could have pulled from the statues and the influence of the name for that logo. Uh, but overall, I'm happy with it. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, all the people that are bitching about it and are saying that, like, they're not going to watch the team anymore because they're not Bye. the Indians. Like, whatever. I'm fine. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> See ya. So... What do you do? Not come to a game? I tend to agree, but I think I, I, I think the one thing though, Joe, is like there's you can always make a change to that stuff. You can always uh, Yeah, you can. You can you always could, you can but always, you won't you won't for a while. No, nah, you can always bring out a secondary you, logo. You can always you bring won't out for a while though. You that logo will probably be in effect yeah. for at least three years. I don't see I think I, I kind of like again, Chad and I talked about this on the live. I think the best thing that the Indians did. And I will be critical about the Indians for PR forever because I think they have terrible PR 90% of the time. This was one case where I thought they had great PR in that they just ripped the Band-Aid off. They came the up, logo and, is, and, or not the logo, the uh, video was incredible. Yeah, but here's my thing. And, and I was a proponent of, I didn't really care what the name was. Fuck, who cares? Call them the shitbags and play baseball. I don't care. But I was a proponent of, if you're going to rebrand, rebrand. So my least favorite thing about the rebrand was we still have the Indians like it's very similar to the script. The, the script Guardians is very similar to the script Indians. The jerseys are pretty much the same. The colors are the same. And I kind of felt like ah, maybe let's just kind of take this thing a different direction, even though I know you can't go wrong with red, white and blue. Fine, whatever. But like I was like, you know, if we're going to change the whole thing of this team, let's change the whole thing of this team. Having said that. I think there's, you're going to be the guardians. You're going to get the backlash from. doesn't matter what you change it to. You're going to get, well, you're gonna get the backlash from the fucking people that we all know that you're going to get the backlash from. It's all the same. It's the same group of people that does the all the. Sh- yeah. Well, go on. The chest yeah. pounding, the chest pounding traditionalists. It's, like what's the gonna, same, you, it's the same yeah. group of people that we all roll our eyes about for every right. fucking thing. Like, like whether it's sports or politics or life, we roll our eyes at these people about everything. It's you knew they were going to complain because ah, if they're not the Indians. I got in an argument with some lady that writes for Breitbart on Twitter. And then this bitch, sorry, what? she deletes, she deletes the conversation on her end. This lady that writes, for, I don't care. She writes for Breitbart. And she's making this big stink about the Indians because that's the group of people that we're talking about. 
that she makes this big stink about the Indians not being the Indians anymore. And you're erasing history. And I just want to throw up in my mouth listening to it because you can't erase history that easily. And, and like, and then she erased it. Then she like, I, I, we have this like 30, like 30 back and forth on Twitter. And then at the end, she just deletes it. I'm like, what? We just had this big, long conversation, and apparently you didn't like how it went. So Ugh. you're bad. Like, she was like, well, he won. Listen, the Indians, the Indians were... Nobody's trying to forget that the Indians existed. The Indians were an iconic franchise. They've been around for 100 years. And there were a lot of good things that happened, a lot of bad things that happened. They were our sports team. Ultimately, though, you go with Guardians. Ooh, I think it's, but we're, you're saying like we're like past, but it's just the name, like the franchise. Right, so right. Like it's the same damn team. Well, and, and so then this was the crux of the argument I had with Breitbart Woman. Um, What's Breitbart? Is that like a? It's a, is that like a, it's a very right wing news organization. Like a highlights newspaper or something, or no? It's like you know, how like Fox News is like very right wing. Breitbart is like a thousand miles right of that. Oh, uh, anyways, it, it just, it, it just was, Oh, the Indians were named after this first Indian that ever played for ba- in major league baseball. No, they she weren't. Didn't even know. She didn't even know. She was like, uh, the first native American that ever played, which by the way, Chad, I always have your voice running through my head when they call them Indians. <laughs> Because again, we talked about like Christopher Columbus being like India, <laughs> India. Right. I made it, and you're like, no, that's not where you are. Uh, it's but but well, the, she, she was like, she was like, they were named the first major league player that was a Native American played for them. And I was like, no, he didn't. The spider, like, God, it, first of all, if you're an Indians fan and you're listening to this, the spiders were never the Indians. The spiders and the Indians were two different franchises. The spiders yeah. folded and the Indians were a different franchise. It's like, it's like the calling match. the Houston Oilers and the Houston Texans the same franchise. And, and, They're not. And, the, and this is going to be the sixth team name of this franchise. They've been the Indians and the Naps and the Bluebirds and the Broncos and the Lakeshores. They've been a lot of different names. Like we're all going to survive. And I'm just looking forward to buying some new merch. I'm excited. I'm just glad. I'm just glad they're staying in Cleveland. To be honest with you, yes. This is after the whole move talk. That's really, that's really the only thing I cared about. And we talked about it on IG Live, Mike. You know, there's people like, like there's people that to this day that still refuse to call it Progressive Field. Like it'll always be the Jake to me. Fine. Uh, okay. Keep that nostalgia. Keep that nostalgia. Keep that nostalgia. Fine. Sure. And, you know, there's people that you know. I will refuse to call them the Guardians. They'll okay. always be the Indians. They'll All always right. be the Indians to me. Fine. Who cares? But if the Guardians go on and win the World Series, you mean to tell me that you're not going to be like excited about that just because of the name change? I I love that, Chad. I love that you brought that up because it is the loudest thing that happens. Uh And I want to. I want to make something perfectly clear. That's not some act of bravery. No, oh, I'm, st- I'm still going to call them the Indians. Okay, no. who cares? <laughs> Nobody gives a shit. Oh, I'm yeah. still going to call it Jacobs Field. Who, who fucking cares? Go You're not. Oh, oh, 
Oh, look out, for, look out for Big Dick Don over here. He's still going to call him the Indians. Like, nobody cares. Go to nobody Guardians cares what games. you call him. Right. Go to Guardians games and wear your Chief Wahoo gear. No one's going to give a fuck. Nobody cares. <laughs> no, no one's going to give a fuck. They're so, still the Indians to me. Uh, okay. I nobody mean, cares. I, I mean, I'm really at peace with it now that the Portage County Sheriff came out with an official <laughs> statement on office God. letterhead. God. An office letterhead. What? Uh, uh, Expressing his displeasure. So, like, Brucey Zooks, thank you so much, Brucey, for coming out with that official statement. It's my favorite. People are like, oh, cancel culture. They're canceling the Indians. And then in the same breath, they're like, I'm going to boycott the Indians. I'm like, that's cancel. That's cancel culture, you asshole. When you boycott them, that's cancel culture, you stupid idiot. Listen, listen, everybody's entitled to their opinion. And it's yes, fun, but the, but the, they are. But, but, but damn, the, are they teaching the wrong things in school? Because like, the, yes, yeah, there are some stupid people out there. But the, but the fact that old Brucey down there decided to come out with an official statement on uh, office letterhead, like people were waiting on pins and needles for his opinion. I bet, I bet Portage County. I bet Portage County Sheriff's Department has an exceptional record for uh, unwhite things. Anyways, let's let's, let's uh, listen, uh, Joe. Again, uh, Chad and I were able to do the Facebook Live, and again, I think as as anybody that listens to this podcast would understand, none of us were all fine with it. It, it just is what it is. It's a name of a team. It's it's not the identity. That's the other thing, people. I grew up watching Indians game with my grandfather, and now you're trying to wipe away that history. No. What? No, no. you still watch those games. Those still happen. Like, I went to the game last night. It was an Indians game. Doesn't change. The world's constantly changing. And, and, I mean, even if you're very conservative and you want to go back. If you don't. Right. If you don't adapt, you're going to spend your whole life bitching about change. Right. And that right, right there, that right there, before we get off the topic, is my favorite new saying. Oh, my you saying? Can, you can either. No, well, it's, it, oh. it leads into it. You can either just accept it and, and, and just like, even if you're not thrilled with it, like, ah, well, what happened? Whatever. Or you know what else you can do? You can die mad about it. That's why pick and, a choice, and, and if you're gonna, the, and, and and for all of you people that are just going to be livid about it, go ahead and die mad about it. And, and, that's, uh, and that's really what uh, I mean. You wonder why, and and that's just a general statement. You wonder why old people are so crumudgeony? It's because nothing is <laughs> because nothing is the way it was back when they were growing up when it was awesome. How like, bad you know, would it be if it was the same way, though? When we're oh, sixty, and, when, we're, when we're sixty, seventy years old, we're going to talk about, oh man, it was so great growing up, yada yada yada, or whatever. Yeah, and, and that's, that's why of, old guess. people are so curmudgeon. Is because nothing is the way it was when they were growing up, and it was oh, life was so simple. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> the world's the world's going to constantly change. You, well, like, you know what? We, we, we can argue about sports and that's it's part of the fun of sports about arguing about things in it. But at the end of the day, something like this, it's like, what, why even just put the effort in? You know what? They're going to be the Cleveland guardians and they're going to play yeah. a progressive field and you're going to be able to go buy overpriced tickets and watch them play. It is what it is. We're going to have fun with it. They're the guardians. I know 
Nobody is as harsh on this franchise as me because of the things that I think that they're doing stupidly from a franchise perspective. This isn't one of them. Of the list and, of the things. And yeah, go ahead, in go October, ahead. in October, when they release the official shit, I'm going to have a couple new hats. I'm going to have some new shirts. I'm going to have a new jersey. I'm going to my kids going to have some stuff. My wife's going to have some stuff like it's ultimately and, and for Cleveland fans, I think even more so. What would you rather have as a Cleveland fan? Your team left in the 90s. Your football team up and walked out. Yeah. And now here in the 2020s, your baseball team changed the name. I'll take yeah. that option. Thanks. I'll take I'll take that option. And let's go guardians. Anyways, of, of uh, the so- list of the list of things that I'm like, there are to care about in the world. My baseball team's name change is like at like 15,434. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Damn, that's like probably pretty accurate though. <laughs> yeah. For real accurate. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we've talked a lot about the NBA draft with Danny Cunningham. We've talked a lot about the Olympics, but the MLB trade deadline is just a couple days away. End of July is the MLB MLB trade deadline. And the Indians are, how do I say this? Exceptionally mediocre. Extremely mediocre are the Indians. This will probably be an offseason where they're going to probably cut payroll to 20 million. I mean, you're not cutting. You don't need to cut payroll. Everyone's kind of at the end of whatever contract they have anyway. So, Joe, here's the question. And, Chad, here's the question. You've got an extremely mediocre team. Yeah. Could they go on a win streak? Sure. But like, let's say they go on a 10 game win streak. You're still only 10 games above 500 at the time. Like this Indians team is we're at the point now where if they make the postseason, something really right happened. Yeah. If they make the postseason, something really right happened. So here's the question. Lots of rumors start to swirl. Can a team just – I feel like every year a team either has to be a buyer or a seller. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's – you make your mind up as you go. You're either a yeah. buyer or a seller. Like, can a team just be a team and, like, maybe not do that at the deadline? Because certainly the Indians are not going to be a buyer at the deadline. Right. They're not going to be a buyer. They're not going to be anything at the deadline. But that's but- probably what they should be, Right. Right. Yeah, there's a, it's just a weird, you know, they, and this is just so pushed on and shoved down our throats through ESPN and SportsCenter and all those shows and that we either have to be buying or selling at the deadline. It's like, no, you don't. Like, we are, well, what are we, are we still 500? We're just well, after today, yes, we're 500. We're 500. So, and we're in second place in the, we're not, we don't need to sell. I mean, we're, we're we don't in, need to buy. We're like, in an we should just <laughs> like we don't have any contracts we need to offload. We don't have any pending, you know, right things that need to be re-signed right now. We don't need to have. We don't have any players that would be making sense to send off and loan off to a team. Like it, there's no, but it doesn't uh, make sense. I, no, I, listen. There's uh, the problem is like especially in baseball, right? Football ultimately. You make a trade, it's for a player that's going to play for you. Basketball, it's for a player that's going to play for you. Hockey, you get minor leagues, but generally speaking, it's for like, it's not the craziest minor league. Like baseball's minor league system is the craziest thing ever. So a lot of the times you get to these deadlines, you become a seller and it's like, 
well, we got this A-League pitcher that might see the MLB in 12 years. The Indians have a few players that they're probably going to sell off. Cesar Hernandez is probably going to get sold off. He's on a a one-year deal. He's on a one-year contract. He's probably getting sold off because you, you can, and and he's hit what 18 homers this year. Like he's, he's having a fairly productive year. You're probably going to see Cesar go because again, the Indians are exceptionally mediocre, but like, let's just get to the main point. There's rumors of Jose Ramirez. There's rumors of the Indians trading (laughs) Jose Ramirez, who is a guy that is on a team-controlled, team-friendly contract for the next three years. Yeah. What? Yeah, they won't sell. Why would you trade Jose Ramirez? I think think fans would flood the bathrooms or something, like if that happened. (laughs) Anyways, guys, it's, it's just... It's a weird spot to be in for the Indians because they're like, they shouldn't be in buy or sell mode. And again, I think you're going to see maybe a couple relievers, uh, maybe a guy like Cesar, uh, maybe even an outfielder. But like, I have to say, and I've been down on what the Indians have done, but I feel like you've got the lowest payroll in baseball, but the pitching staff has been better than expected, even though it's not been great. But you get Bieber, Savali, Plesak. Cal Quantrill has really turned it on. Uh-huh. And if you can get, like, Tristan McKenzie to be okay, your pitching staff's good. Your bullpen's good. This should be the offseason where the Indians try to get that guy, that bat. Like, you add another middle of – like, your outfield needs one more power bat. Right. I know everybody's sitting here talking about, like, and Eddie Rosario or – Harold Ramirez. And I know Harold Ramirez has been fine. Harold Ramirez is a bench player. Right. He's been fine, but he's a bench player. Harold Ramirez should be replaced. Go find a guy that you can plug in and pay him. And this team is, it's not that far off. You're 500 with a bullshit roster. Right. You're 500. You're not that far off. So hopefully the Indians can find, there's rumors of like a new guy buying into the team. They can increase their payroll, and we'll see what happens. That would help. That would anyways, help. boys, we got we got the Cavs happening. We got the MLB uh, deadline happening. Joey Gallo got traded tonight from the Rangers to the Yankees. Right. So Joey Gallo is a Yankee. Uh, look out for that. Brown by the way. started training uh, camp. Joey Gallo with that right field in Yankee Stadium is going to be a problem. Yeah. Uh, uh, Brown started training camp. Uh, Greedy Williams already left the field, but apparently that was only for a heat-related injury. All right. Uh, and the big news was uh, Baker, uh, Baker, and Anthony Schwartz were apparently just like just dimes to him deep down. Dimes, field. dimes <laughs> down the field. So we'll see. But anyways, Joe, you said you had something a little fun for us to wrap up the show. So let's get. I to that. do have something fun, but that's subjective. Uh okay, so Agreed. not like the actual worth of the medal, but what do you think to a country a gold medal is worth? So let's say uh, Michael Phelps wins a gold medal. Okay, not a very timely example, but that's what we're going with. How much do you think the U.S. <laughs> pays him as a bonus for winning that medal? Hundred thousand dollars, twenty grand. 20 grand. Okay. Two, here we go. 
We're, I got a list of 12 countries. Not every country pays bonuses, uh, but we'll go lowest to highest. Okay. All right. Uh, coming in 12th is Canada, who pays $15,000 for a gold medal. Okay. 11th Jeez. is Germany, 22000 All right. South Africa in 10th with 37000 Oh. USA ninth Whoa. with thirty seven and a half. So this this is a bonus. So if they, they that, win a gold. Medal. That's money that gets paid. Yeah, that's money that gets paid to the athlete. to the athlete for winning the gold medal, and they also have tiers for silver and bronze. After this that. is this is what Matt Biondi was talking about on our podcast. Yeah. Thirty-seven grand for a goal. Oh, here you go. Probably because we win a lot of them. Thank you. And that's ninth highest. Uh, France is fifty-five thousand. Russia is sixty-one. And now we get into some bigger money. Uh, Hungary, one hundred twenty-five thousand. Whoa! Let's go. Italy. That's like that's like seventy-eight bucks. Well, it's this is all U.S. dollars. I'm 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 joking. Pesos. (laughs) Italy. Is one hundred sixty-six thousand dollars? Whoa! Okay, you want Italy? Ooh, I don't know how to say this one. Mm, uh, it's going to sound dumb. Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan. Yeah, two hundred forty-eight thousand. Yeah. When was the last time Azerbaijan had a gold medalist in anything? Oh, Can you guess the top? Mansion. Like, what do you think top three would be? We've already knocked out. <laughs> so what was that? What was Azerbaijan? Uh, two hundred forty-eight thousand. Think about the top three countries, and what would you think they would be? I, but well, so I haven't heard China yet. Okay. I haven't heard Japan yet. Yep. I, I uh, feel like it's going to be some obscure country like Bosnia and Herzegovina. But, no, but I also haven't heard like Nordic countries because, like, especially during Winter Olympics, I haven't heard like Sweden, Norway. And this is for Summer and Winter Olympics. So I haven't heard the UK yet. Okay. None of those are on the list. Wow. Uh, really? and, oh, so it's gonna it's gonna be something obscure. like Egypt. In third place, we got Kazakhstan. Yes, Kazakhstan. Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You get a quarter million dollars for winning that. Of gold. course they do. Uh, one and export then, of potassium, Kazakhstan. And and then we just have a huge jump after the two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Second place is Indonesia. Okay. With oh, seven hundred and forty six thousand dollars. Go on, Indonesia. What? My God. And your winner for the Olympic gold medal bonus is none other than Singapore with the population of probably like 4 million people. Singapore is a city country. <laughs> yeah. They will grant you $1 million for winning a gold oh, medal. God. That'll get you so, a nice, that'll get you a nice high rise. In the that'll get you a nice high rise and a boat. Yeah. Hold on. Kazakhstan. that will get you Sing- like a six bedroom mansion. For what they did, <laughs> Singapore <laughs> as a country, Singapore in history has won one gold medal. Nice, there, hey, nice. I mean, you know, might that, as well incentivize whoever that is. Is a million dollars richer? Yeah, or maybe they but implemented is, that after the gold medal. That'd be kind of unfortunate. That would suck. Let's see, Indonesia <laughs> at the Olympics. They do. I mean, still Indonesia. for Singapore, they still get five hundred thousand for silver, two hundred fifty thousand for gold. Uh, Indonesia has won seven gold medals. Okay. Seven. A fantastic Bali vacation. What? Fantastic yes. vacation in Bali. Uh, you know what? I, I would go. Yeah. 
Kazakhstan has won 16 gold uh, medals. Number one exporter of potassium. Uh, very nice. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, <laughs> <laughs> very nice. it should be, to, to Matt Biondi's point, U.S. Uh, Olympians should be uh, uh, given more for winning gold medals like that. Yeah. But, like, at the same time, Singapore has one gold medalist in history in any Olympics. You know, you want to know how many the U.S. has had? Probably. Uh, oh, in history? God. Yep. Thousands. Uh, probably like 740. 1,129. All right. Okay. Now, granted, $33,000 or whatever it was, that's bullshit. But, but the GDP of our country is a little higher than Singapore, so I feel like we have a little is, more right. money to can pay Singapore these people. Um, all right, boys. So, Joe, good stuff on the uh, on the monetization of the Olympics by country. Uh, I I wish you had like, which countries don't pay anything? Did you get that list? Oh, you cut out. What'd you say? Oh, I said which countries don't pay anything. It Did doesn't that have list? that on this list. Uh, it just says that it's not a required thing for countries to do, and there's many countries that don't pay anything at all. Bastards. Uh, all right, boys. That's gonna do it for us. Uh, we're gonna get to our three cheers of the week as we always end our episode. So. Uh, let's see. I'm going to lead us off my cheer of the week this week. Uh, we've talked about it already on the podcast, Simone Biles. Uh, you know what? Uh, it's what, what she did was difficult. She's facing backlash from assholes. And, uh, ultimately though, I think the, the, as Matt Barnes said on the podcast, she has stamped her name in the, in the annals of Olympic history. She is the greatest female Olympian of all time. And what she did was right for her. And nobody else should say a damn thing about it. So Simone Biles, a difficult decision, the right decision. And my cheers goes to her. Uh, Chad, what's your cheer of the week? Oh, God, me? Uh, I'm... What, what, did you think I was going to skip you? Well, I was hoping to go to Joe first because I was trying to think about what I do for a cheer. Uh, I am going to cheer uh, Lu- Lucena and Dalhauser here in the men's uh, twos beach volleyball. <laughs> they are dominating this third set. Uh, they're up 13 to five and they're going to beat Argentina. Here we go, guys. I love you. Let's go. Let's go, Lucena and Dalhauser. Dalhauser is one of the most Boom. dominant outdoor volleyball players of all time. And he's just a treat to watch. So cheers to you. A real treat. So here's to you. Two's American volleyball guys. <laughs> All right, Joe. I don't know how you're going to follow that up. Now, well, luck. here's to the uh, here's to the. I'm going to cheers the Marble Olympics because those were the Olympics that went through quarantine. Oh and yeah, the sport content we needed when there was an Olympics on. So, uh, oh yeah, marbles. <laughs> All right, cheers, cheers to freaking marbles. <laughs> nailed the ending yeah we sure did yeah guys what a great guys, what a great way to end like an awesome episode with just flat line i, I want to say <laughs> i just want to say i love you guys 75 episodes into this journey we are three quarters of a century into this uh and this was an awesome way to get through it so let's send out our thank yous real quick first of all thank you goes out to the belly up sports podcast network for hosting us go check them out at belly up sports on twitter on Instagram, on Facebook, just find a belly up sports and check out some of the other shows. Uh, 
Our second thanks goes out to our guest tonight, again, from NBC4 in Columbus, hosted their Today Morning Show, Matt Barnes, joining us live from Tokyo. That was amazing. And also from ESPN Cleveland, Danny Cunningham, coming on to talk about the Cavs and the draft. Our two special guests, thank you so much to you for joining us here on episode 75. And lastly, our biggest thank you goes out to you, the people that listen to our episode, if you love it. Go on, give us a rating, subscribe to us, follow us, check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Check out our interviews on YouTube and so much more. And if you love us enough, get over to garagebeershop.com and pick up a shirt, pick up a hat. Even Chad might be able to get a hat with that big dome because he found a hat that fit his head. (laughs) Hey, hey, get over there and check out our stuff. (laughs) You look gorgeous. Thank you. So, For Joey down in Nashville, Tennessee, for Chad over on the east side of Cleveland, I'm Michael Keefe saying thanks for joining us. Episode 75. We'll see you next week for episode 76. Cheers, everybody.